Hello there, and welcome to the Literarily Trash Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Roseanne. I'm Vanessa. I'm Samantha. And I'm Stephanie. And we're four sisters who love to read, drink, and talk shit. If you check any of those boxes, or hell, if you're just looking for some solid entertainment, you've come to the right place. Our exclusive book club is now open to the public. So grab a drink, pull up a chair, and let's talk some shit. Oh, and hey, listener discretion is advised. Oh, wow, I see Stephanie's new name. What is this shit? Funniest motherfucker. Hmm. Oh, so I'm still the only one that's just Vanessa. Say it's not true. Hmm. It's not true. I mean, whatever. I'll give it to you. I already said I'll give it to you. It's fine. Listen, we can't all be hot and funny, okay? Yeah, I'll just be hot. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Do you see my fucking Rocky Balboa eye, y'all? Actually, no. Zoom in. Get closer. The doctor asked me, she's like... Well, it might be shingles. We're going to have to check on it. And I was like, mm. oh, God, Roseanne, um, that's for old people. That might I be. Know. And that's what I said. I was like, I'm turning 42. I said, this can't be it. This can't be it for me. <laughs> I'm turning 42 in four days and I have shingles. This is gonna, the way I'm going to celebrate this year. Do you have any, like, pain? It does. Does it, it burn? Do- it does. Oh, God, it's shingles. She asked Don't touch it. Like, it'll spread. I'm not touching it. But, like, I mean, you see it, right? I mean, your you camera's kind of blurry. Yeah, you're blurry. We can't see it. It is? Fuck. Cam, right USB. Right. Right. Left. When 42-year-olds try to zoom. Yeah, I'm in the right hole. <laughs> no one no one left. What are you eating? Berries. A mushroom? Oh. So look not a mushroom. Look at me. I was just eating a Greek yogurt. I'm now eating strawberries and blackberries. Um, nice. How's the weight loss coming? I'm stagnant right now. That's why I'm eating me nothing too. but fruit God. for dinner. Isn't it annoying? Hey, quit drinking alcohol. That's the way to No. no. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> um, Rosanna, you do look... See? You see it now, don't you? Yeah, you look yeah. like Rocky. I do. Yeah. Wow, Rosie. <laughs> you went out in public you- today? Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, you can see that, right? Yeah. We see it now that your camera's nice and crisp. Yeah. Me no likey. <laughs> do I have to do the hashtag at literarily trashed? Hashtag. Is this? <laughs> this <laughs> it's this. Oh, is it this way or is it this way? <laughs> hashtag blessed. Oh. Roseanne, first of all, nothing Roseanne, Roseanne does in, in pop culture is right. Nothing. Oh. Why is it backwards? Because I'm a backwards? little, I'm a millennial, and you're Gen Z, and you're cooler than me. Uh, uh-uh, I'm a millennial oh. too. Then we're saying you are not a fucking millennial. What am I? <laughs> what you are like boomer? before even me, and I'm a different generation. Are you a baby bo- uh, baby boomer? Oh uh, no, that's like I'm not you 50. and me, Rosanna, are in the same group. I think Sammy may I'm actually be with Stephanie. I'm at my computer tonight, bitches, and I'm going to Google the fuck Vanessa, we are 18 months shit. apart. I know, but there's a year cutoff, and I think it stops at 85. Hmm. It's a weird thing. We're about to find out. Mom couldn't get enough of dad, apparently. Barf. God, fuck. I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) Too early in the show. Hey, um, are you guys um, going to the wine tasting thing? Whores. On the 29th? Yes. Um, I'm a millennial whore, by the way. 
Ooh, am I a millennial? It's a broad spectrum. 81 and 96. 81 to 96? Yeah. What year are you? That's a really, that's a, I'm 91. That's That's what I just said. It's a very broad. That's very broad. Okay, well. That does explain a lot. Gen Z, 97 to 2012. Those are children. Yeah. Yeah. That's my kids. Yeah. That generation Uh, is fucked. 20s. 20s are still Gen Z. Whatever. Yeah. It's not us. All right. Okay. Um, on scale of one to ten, how's everyone doing overall? Uh, 7.5. Okay. I'm a solid <laughs> three because I have um, Rocky Balboa eye. <laughs> Possible scabies outbreak or whatever the fuck this is. I'm going to go with a five because I'm still recovering from the cold I contracted from some sick bastard on the cruise ship. So. Oh, poor you on your cruise. I know. <laughs> Was it great, though? The cruise. Hmm. It Okay, it started off really not good. So, I don't know. Have you guys ever been in some really gnarly seas before? So, it's like, when you're talking 20-foot seas, even on a cruise ship, you're feeling that. And it was brutal. I don't get seasick ever. Um, and I was sick. Like, I'm talking, I was on a toilet. I was, like, needing to hug it and hold it all at the same time. Like, it was really, like, not good. And I took a lot of meds for it too. I still felt it for two solid days. Um, when it was done being rocky and we got to the islands, it was a little better. We had more fun then. Um, went with Haley and my friend Brittany. We had a great time. Um, I will say they have a limit on the amount of alcoholic beverages you can have on a cruise ship. Who Since knew? Since when? I don't, well, I, I met it and who knew that? Um, so apparently it's uh, you can only have 15 drinks a day. <laughs> I know that sounds like a lot. Vanessa, what the fuck? I know that sounds like a lot. But no wonder you were shitting and throwing like up. <laughs> that was before I started having the alcohol. Um, so, yeah. And there's a five-minute waiting period between the time you can order a drink. So, like, you can't order a shot and order a sipper and go and, like, sit down and have a good time. Like, you've got to, like, order your shot and twiddle your thumbs for five minutes and wait for them to bring you your next drink before you can move on with your day. So... Fun facts of a cruise ship. 15 drink limit. And take a lot of uh, motion sickness pills before you go on. But otherwise, it was great. Um, I'm a seven, guys. Thanks for asking. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We got caught up in the IBS story. I've passed the torch to Vanessa. I thought I had it, guys. For <laughs> real. Um, hey, guys. We uh, let our chickens free. You guys saw the pictures? Well, not free. Oh, yeah. Hold up. They're out of the house and into the coop. Um, but yeah, we've set our chickens free. Um, they're happy. Everybody's good to go. Uh, we don't have an automatic door, so I have to go out there early as hell and open the door. But that's fine. They're like waiting by the door. It's real cute. They mm-hmm. come out and they Aww. eat all the food. Like, it's real cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I, when I go outside, I'm like, chicks. And then they all run inside the coop, like as fast as they can. <laughs> wow. That's cute. <laughs> that's what yeah, dad that's used to stuff. do. He would, he would yell, my chickens, and throw them bread. Yes. Oh. The Yeti, our father. <laughs> mm-hmm. My chickens. I'm telling you. He's he's a closet sometimes. Like you don't realize that he's really actually like the sensitive creature when it comes to animals, but he is. Only Humans with not so much, but Only animals, with yes. animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. cats, believe it or not. Yeah, that, that did not translate to his children. No. No. Mm-hmm. Hey you, the finger. You. <laughs> Go to your room. Stephanie Smith, whatever, whatever one you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't even get our names right the whole time. Hey, the girls. 
Uh, I was the bitch of the West um, for most of my teenage years in the house. Bitch of the West or bitch of the South, depending on, uh, I don't know, how he was feeling, I guess. Which direction? Depending whether I was there. (laughs) He actually called me torpedo titties when I first started getting tits. So that was nice for my self-esteem as a young woman. I remember him telling me I wore... I put on a Classic. formal dress. Yeah, I put on a formal dress and like came out to do a little show and tell. And he told me I looked like a linebacker <laughs> in my formal dress. I feel like yeah. my husband's called me that at some point. <laughs> he said it was the way I was like, you know, coming down the hall. <laughs> I could see that. I you are, see you're it. always awkward when you try stuff on. Kind of like Roseanne. She's like, is this cute? <laughs> <laughs> I just said that recently too. <laughs> Stands in the most unflattering position okay. she possibly can. <laughs> What I was going to read you guys is fun. So, so you guys know, so my new addiction right now is caffeine. Like if I can't have alcohol, I'm like, well, I'm just going to be like caffeined up all the time. So I found this, this little thing and it says, I'm not a casual coffee drinker. I drink coffee to get fucked up. I'll go back to back double espresso and just see where the day takes me. Will I be energetic and fun or will I be shaky and die? (laughs) Who knows? Life is a mystery. Bottoms up. It sounds like Stephanie, actually. Yeah. Sounds just like Stephanie. Yeah, that that is probably how I, I I play every day that very dangerous game of what's this cup of coffee gonna do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, headache kicks in, the shakes, stomach hurts, the ulcers flaring. Mm. Oh yeah, God, watch Worth out for it. the ulcers, Sam. No, I'm good. No, Sam has <laughs> ulcers; she just doesn't feel them. Yeah, you think you're good. <laughs> Zan, stop touching it. I'm just it's under. Fuck. <laughs> It's underwater. Put a hot rag on it. But my I'm, eye. I'm getting old. It is what it is. If it if it itches, you have shingles. Yeah. You have shingles. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is great. You know, it's, it's stress, stress related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you feeling stressed, Roseanne? Do you want to talk about it? I mean, you know, my, my life is always the same. Why don't you go have a seat back there on that couch right mm-hmm. behind you? Put your feet Lay down. Mm-hmm. Let us you know how you're feeling. It. And let's ask that one to ten again real quick. Oh, you did say a three. You were honest. Yeah. I couldn't get into my dermatologist for like a whole month. And I'm like, well, I can't be with this on my face for one whole month. Like, I don't have that much else going for me. If my face is fucked, I might as well just fucking lay down and die. (laughs) Jesus. That's both like conceited and sad. Like, (laughs) both. I mean, come on. You know, like we all have pretty decent faces. Like if our face is fucked. Well, damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's where I'm being at. the funniest motherfucker comes into play. You have to have a backup, oh, yes. Rosie. Like, what's your backup? Uh, my ass. There you go. That's right. That's right. Hey, yeah. that's True. a good one. Yeah, my ass. You got then, great eyebrows, even if your face is fucked. Okay, well, and then I'm the second funniest. So I, I am mildly entertaining. She, she really wants to. Everyone, she really wants to be the second funniest. Can we give her a round of applause? You're the funniest, Roseanne. Somebody vote it, please. Uh, I was going to give. Well, no, I I was already going to know, like, obviously, who was going to hold the crown for that. But I was going to just wait a couple episodes in just to give people a taste of our personalities before I hit them with that poll, just in case I, like, somehow, like, squeak by you, you know, like, turn three, cut up under you real quick. Three wide, (laughs) hit me in the back, left rear quarter panel, (laughs) get me loose. (laughs) I was saying, all you're doing is setting up Stephanie to make funny jokes. So. You're just giving me more material. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shut up. 
Um, in, in middle school, I used to reenact the death of Dale Earnhardt with anything I had around. Jeez. And I would, I, you know, Sterling Marlin, remember? Sterling Marlin. Yeah. Dodge killed Dale. Yeah. Yep. Dodge killed Dale. Yeah. yeah. I would, I would, I would reenact it. I don't think anyone cared, but I did it. I know I did it more than once. I can't tell you how many times I did it for how long it went on, but I, I know I did it at least more than once. Can I ask a question? Yeah. What, what vehicle or device were you using to reenact the car swerving and going headlong into a right now I'm remembering vividly doing it in homeroom one morning and I had a chocolate milk carton and a biscuit this I is in school like that no yeah I was I was in, no oh oh I yes when I say I was in middle school I mean like I was literally in my classroom doing this for people <laughs> Like, this wasn't alone in my room, which would actually be really sad. This was out in public, which is probably worse. worse. <laughs> I thought we you were doing, doing it at home to, like, um, appeal to our father or something or get his to, attention. To, to make dad like love that. me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or I, uh, see you. <laughs> I, I did I did write an oral history report on Dell Earnhardt, too. So apparently... Oh, you were some country-ass bitches. And it was in Arkansas. It was in our stint in Arkansas where we were, like, the queen of queens. Like, we were the yeah. queen We were the Chillicothe queens. Yes. We were we were. No. Uh-huh. we were the Lake Village queens. Yeah. We I wasn't, but you guys were. I was just t- riding the coattails. We showed yeah. up the first mm-hmm. day of school, and everyone was like, oh, are you those girls from Atlanta? We, we were, were like, like yeah. We are. Showing up in Vanessa's, uh, you know, uh, Firebird with the... My Firebird. The T-Top. Tops off, man. That you had to manually and my, pop out and store. Yeah, and my cow print seat covers yes. and stuff, dude. I was so hot. Mm. It was Those were stuff. the days. It was the days. <laughs> I was gonna. You'll be proud to know, Vanessa, that right before we got on this call, I burned a bag of popcorn. Of course, and it has smelled up the entire house. Like, you like escaped, how much I hate escaped your room popcorn. and locked the door, and everyone else well, the has worst to deal part with it. Is that actually I wanted to go back and eat it, but I had to leave it on the back God. porch. So, so it's sitting on the Jesus. back porch right now. She just sneaks out like a squirrel in the bag, pulling little nuts out, and Brett isn't looking. That will happen. In fact, Vanessa- you know it's bad if it has to go to the back porch, guys. That is so bad. No, notice she didn't throw it away; she just put it on the no. back porch. No. No, I went to go get it and it was still steaming. So I'm like, all right, I'll come back. (laughs) It's going to be perfect when this podcast is over. It's not. I love burnt popcorn so much. Does your house still smell like it, Vanessa? Yeah, sometimes. (laughs) Stay with me. And every night she made popcorn. She burnt it every night. Guys, you don't understand. I'd wake up and it would smell and there'd be a trail of popcorn to her seat where she was also sitting. So not only is it burnt stench, but there's now popcorn kernels everywhere. My dogs loved it, but I, it was disgusting. Samantha, you're fine. It's true. It's true. No more just, popcorn allowed in my house. I just don't understand how someone who has ate popcorn, like that's their favorite food for their whole life, still burns it. Like you should have mastered it by now. So what happened, I'll tell you what happened, is that, the, so we have a cheap microwave. We didn't go all fancy. When I press popcorn once, it's only 1.75, which who buys a bag of 1.75? So I have to press it twice to burn it, not burn it, sorry. I have to press it twice. <laughs> it's <There> intentional. It <laughs> twice to make it, do you know, pop the right kernels. But this time I pressed it just once and I was like, oh crap, it didn't do it right. So I pressed it one more time and you 1.75 and 1.75 is what? More than three, so it got burnt. Is what happened. <laughs> Great math. Why don't you equals, just put it on? It's basic math. Guys. Three. <laughs> no, no, no. Microwaves are weird, aren't they? Yeah. Okay, so I have a question. 
why don't you just push the button that does the popcorn button? It shows you at 1.75. It gives you the amount and you just add a minute to it. Well, what I'm supposed to do is press it twice. I just didn't because I was so excited about the popcorn. So I just pressed it once and yeah, this is how it happened. The math ain't mathin'. <laughs> Why am yeah, I so not- invested? What one point are we? Five is how it started. If you moving do- on, <laughs> I don't care. Anymore. She's going to do it again. She, I literally don't care. I have a whiteboard. Should She's I? She's got a chart. Here it goes. <laughs> You're that crazy guy with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth with the strings connected to all the pictures. <laughs> Jesus. Anyways, get your shit together. It's fucking popcorn. All right. It's not a gourmet meal, <laughs> but it's so good. Okay, episode four. Oh, no, two. (laughs) (laughs) Do it again. Start all over. All right, let's kick this shit off. Spadle, spittle, spider. Where are you going to hide her? I had to. Clover's here with us. (laughs) Sorry, I had to do that. Okay, guys, episode two, we are reviewing On the Savage Side by Tiffany McDaniel. Inspired by the unsolved murders of the Chillicothe Six, this is the story of twin sisters, Arcade and Daffodil, born one minute apart, who form an unbreakable bond while growing up in a home riddled with addiction and neglect. They cling to the only sober person in their lives, their grandmother, and her fantastical stories of witches and fire and powerful women, but it is not enough to stop them from traveling down the same path as their parents and so many others in their small rural Ohio town. Dun dun. When their friends start to disappear one by one, some found dead floating in the river and some never found at all, Arcade finds it harder and harder to keep both her and her sister safe. She'd do anything to keep Daffy alive and by her side. But at what cost? Excellent job, Stephanie. Thank you. Um, I did just want to add um, just a few more uh, little backstory of the book or the plot and also the real life case that it was inspired by. Um, So it was between May 2014 and May 2015. Six women went missing in Chillicothe, Ohio. So four of them were later found dead. Two are still missing to this day. They have convicted one man, but he was only convicted for the last woman's death. All the others are unsolved. Uh, Many of the women knew each other. They had all, I guess you could call, um, them being involved in high-risk behavior. Mm-hmm. They all struggled with drug addiction and turned to prostitution to help pay for their addiction, make ends meet. So um, it's just a very interesting story. For me, it was it was sad to, after reading this book, which obviously super personalized addiction and like got you, you were inside the head of people who were struggling with addiction. So um to then go back and research the actual case this was based on, it just made me really sad. Number one, that they've never been solved. Like obviously no one just, no one gave a shit um, because of their lifestyle. They just didn't treat them like humans, which I think is a pretty common, unfortunately, feeling about addicts and people who throw their lives away for drugs and turn to prostitution. They just don't view them as humans. And so, and in this case, the fact that they never solved it, they never even, um, they have no suspects, none at all. And that's just wild. How can six women in a town that only had, I think, like, what, 21,000 people during this range um, this year? 21,000 people and six women died from the same kind of circle, and no one put pieces together enough to arrest somebody. And that's just crazy. Yeah, and a little bit about the author who wrote the story. Um, she, 
is 38 years old. She obviously lives in Ohio. She lives actually near the town of Chillicothe. Um, she is from Cherokee Indian heritage, which I think plays a big part in some of her writings, um, which makes sense if you've read the story. Um, you can kind of pick up on a lot of the fables and tales that come with it um, and mm-hmm. the imagery that she uses. Um, another fun fact that I thought about her was that she actually performed her own personal investigation into the women that went missing in that town, um, which helped her write this story. Um, she even has a close friend who, I don't know if this is true or not, because it wasn't quoted on her actual website. So I do want to put that disclaimer out there. She didn't actually state it. But from another story that I read or another article, it did say that she had a friend who did go missing um, around that around the same area, which kind of sparked her to want to do research into this story. Um, but she did. Um, she also wanted to prove or kind of point out the the points about what Stephanie, what you just said, that there was more to these women than just the circumstances that they were in or what most people would perceive. And so I think she did a really wonderful job of that in the story. Um, and we'll kind of point some of that out in a little while. I do love the the line in our outline, Roseanne put, not one single picture of her on the internet yes. where she is I was, I was about to say that, like, I tried really hard. So she's probably got, hands down, the best RBF I've seen. So I don't, I don't, maybe she's just really sad about these people in her town. I don't know. Um, yeah. No, it was a heavy book. Yeah. Yeah. Heavy as hell. Who picked this? Yeah. Me yeah. and Vanessa picked it. I think Vanessa, we'd, we'd, Vanessa, we'd, we'd Vanessa picked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, mm-hmm. it was heavy. Um, and I don't know I didn't if it know was, that. That it was going to be that rough. Well, I don't know if it was worse because I, I and most of you guys probably did, but I listened to the whole thing and I was driving. So I was very just like zoned in and it was just, it oh. was rough. It was, I had no distractions. Mm-hmm. I was just like, God, these, these girls just can't win, you know, and I know we'll get yeah. into them, but I'm just like, ah, um, I was, I was kind of ready for it to be over. So, but I know we'll, we'll dig into stuff. This is like what, 14, 15, 16 hour book. It's and you intense, were, did yeah. you listen to the whole thing? Like driving to a conference? To and, and back. back. Or, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, was, it was a drive to Florida and a drive back. Yeah. That's intense. This is a, that was a rough book to do that with. It was. <laughs> yes. So that might, that might sway my review a little bit when we get to that point. Mm. <clears throat> Um, but uh, but let's go ahead and jump into some of the characters, if that's cool with you guys. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Okay. Um, well, let's start with um, Arcade and Daffodil. Um, they're twin sisters with red hair. Each have one green eye and one blue eye. You're going to hear them referred to as uh, witches, witches marbles throughout the book. Um, the mom would play a, a fun game with them, or I guess it's the funnest game they play with their mother, which is, where's my oh, blue eye girl? I know, right? It's so sad. Where's my blue eye girl? And they'd both close their green eye and show just their blue eyes. Where's my green eye girl? And show their one green eye. Um, they grew up poor, lived with their drug addict mom, Adeline and Aunt Clover, who we'll, we'll definitely dig into later. Um, their father, Flood, if you listen to the audio, it's Flood. I actually thought it was Floyd, but Flood. Um, <laughs> he died when they were young from a drug overdose. And then they briefly did live with their grandma, who is Mama Milkweed, um, who was the only known druggie um, in the family. She was struck by a car and died, which is pretty much where you realize the girls are fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and then we're going to get into um, Arcade, who is the main character. Um, this book is a little different than the other ones we've read, where it's a single narrator. So there's not it's not changing between people. Um, we only get her point of view throughout the entire book. Um, you do find out pretty quickly. Hey, heads up, guys. There's spoilers. As you guys know, we always have spoilers. So I'm about to, I'm about to drop some on you. Um, chapter one, you find out very quickly that Ark is actually dead. Um, so they spoil that one pretty much, you know, First, first chapter you're in. Um, second spoiler comes right in chapter two when you find out that um, 
the poor sisters are fucked, as we said, um, and they're doomed to a life of heroin addiction and prostitution, um, which, according to Roseanne, sounds like fun, right? <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> totally taken out of context? I you did say that. <laughs> we'll, we'll allow you to uh, rebut that later. Okay, um, I was going to say, do I, do I get a rebuttal? Minutes. Okay, fine. <laughs> you do. After, after this. So, um, Let me make a goddamn note before you guys don't leave me to defend myself. <laughs> I'm not a crack whore. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to go ahead and get into the plot twist of the book, which is that Daffodil, who is also known as the Daffodil Poet throughout the book because she writes poems everywhere. Um, she's actually dead. And Ark has been pretending to be Daffodil throughout this entire book. While still being herself. it's She didn't change into Daffy. She's still Ark, but she is also Daffy. Blew my mind. Did any of you guys pick up on that? I did. No. You did? did. You did? I did. Liar. No one talked to Daffy. Nobody talked to Daffy directly at any point during this entire story. No one. You you The only time you ever thought. Yes. And, and, um, wait, I wrote, I made a note. Uno mento. Let me find my note. (laughs) She shuffles her papers. (laughs) I was shuffling my papers. Who still prints out an outline? It's 2023. I do. I do. So the first clue I noticed it was when Sage Nell, um, she goes back with Ark to her house at one point. And um, this is, first of all, years later when they're all in their drug-induced state a lot of times. So you go back to her house to get something. And Sage Nell and her are sitting on her, in her room and she picks up um, a photo of Ark and Daffodil and she makes a comment like oh my god you guys are identical twins like as if she had never in her life seen Daffodil ever and that was like early on that was like chapter 15 or 16 or something like that and that was my first clue of like what the fuck you mean she's identical how did you not know I mean she's supposed to be sitting in the room and hanging out with you guys but it was if it was like a dawned on her for the first time and that was when I started picking up on clues that she was never, ever truly spoken to at any point throughout the entire story. Well, Except for and- one more moment, which I'll bring up later. I have something else to add to that. It was one of my um, big twist things. Um, after she says they're identical, they go up to the distant mountain. And when they get there, Sage Nell says, I know your secret, Ark. And then Ark mm-hmm. says, don't say it because someone might be listening. And then I was wondering, because mm-hmm. she was the only friend that has ever been in her house. Mm -hmm. So she knew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, you guys had tales in the story. You just had to. Well, let me tell you what I did. I've never done this in my life, but I read the whole book and then I, I was so mind blown and I don't know why I just devoured this little book. I don't know why I just did. So I was like, I've got to go back. Yeah, I did. I was my little crackhead book. I just loved it. And I went back and I listened to the whole thing. And then I started picking up on all this stuff. So I made hella notes about all the little things I found throughout the book. So if you don't nice. catch them, I will. I want to hear more. Well, and, and I, I have uh, a lot. Well, I, I, I kind of feel <laughs> like I, I messed up a little bit because I didn't, I said the plot twist, but I didn't actually say, you know, um, you know, that she's been dead, but she died from the flu. Like what in chapter like Uh-oh. 10 or something, but you don't necessarily know that you think she survives the flu. It was chapter um, six. Oh, chapter six. 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 Exactly. It was pretty early. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty early. And actually at that moment, I thought for a second she was going to die. Um, so I was like, oh, she's going to die. And then that's why, you know, Arkin's up being the, you know, a heroin addict. Um, but no, she didn't. So I should have known then she did have, she had tells throughout the book for sure. But, but it did catch me off guard when that plot twist came. 
Mm-hmm. I never I'm had impressed. an inkling, I'm not one. I'm impressed you, you picked it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed you picked it up the first time, Vanessa. I'm impressed. Thanks. I'm impressed. I did not. That's I why have... I kept saying, everyone was like, were you not mind blown? And I was like, no. Like, what are you guys talking about? Well, no, I just, I don't know. Well, I kept waiting I for it to be who killed one. everyone. That's what I thought the plot twist was going to be. Like, oh, I have a lot guy. of theories about that, but, too. Yeah. So let's <laughs> let's move through the characters as we get through them, and then we'll start picking our people apart. So we've we've got the two main girls. But something else, Kate, they did. Um, they only wore lipstick on the one half of their lips. Oh, yeah. Um, that was cute. Um, but wait. Well. Yeah, only only Ark did that. But wait, so now te- just, exactly technically, Daffodil didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yes, um, and, and even the I think somebody made a comment in the outline about um, Daphne being a great swimmer, and I think she did swim some. But who was actually mm-hmm. swimming in these competitions was, was Daffodil. Ark. Or sorry, was that Ar- Ar- Ark? It, no, yeah, it was, was Arcade. Was Ark. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so. yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was hard to pull it apart. So as you're, for those of you who have, who have read it, I'm curious how many other people maybe have picked up on it before it got to the main telltale part of the story. Um, but as you're kind of listening to it, I felt like some of the stuff that kind of sparked off or hit me the most about it was when people did directly have communication with Daffodil. And there was only one person I felt actually did, or at least that Ark mentioned, it was the highwayman. So I can't wait for us to go into him, but he had a whole... There was a whole part where he directly interacted with her or picked her up or did something with her, beat her up. Um, but did he? Or was that Arcade? That's one of my unknown questions that I can't wait to have somebody else answer for me. Yeah. Um, and I know that when I was going through the the character intro, I mentioned Aunt Clover. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mentioned Aunt Clover and I mentioned uh, the mom, which is Adeline. Um, we can dig a little bit into them. Um honestly, I, I know that we're supposed to feel different about the mother when we realize at the end that, you know, she kind of had this, this struggle where she was trying to be better. You know, she had lost her children to Mama milkweed. She got them back. She was clean. And then she got hooked again. Um, but at no point did I ever like feel anything towards this woman, just a, a horrible, no. horrible human being. Um, the same with mm-hmm. Aunt Clover. Like how did someone breed two horrible people who just can, <laughs> could be the way they were? Um, both, both of them were, were drug addicts. Both of them were prostitutes. Both of them brought Johns to the house of these, the, these young girls, um, which I know we'll get into some of those. I'll, I'll call them suspects later. You know, some of the men mm-hmm. in their lives. Um, we've got Aunt Clover who um, would would uh, wear her blue mascara. She would do these uh, lines of eyeliner along her eye. She called them her barbed wire and it's supposed to, to keep her yeah. safe. Um, and it's interesting because as you see, um, if you guys notice pretty early on in the book, they jump from past to to another time, you know, time zone. Um, so if you were confused in like the third chapter, we all were because we we're like, what what the hell is happening? <laughs> so it was very confusing. Um, but they do bounce back and forth. Um, and you actually see that, um, you know, just Daffodil, she's only one, not sorry, just Arcade, the only one who's left, picks up a lot of the habits from Aunt Clover and her mom with the blue eyeliner, with the um, eyeshadow and things like that. Um, but overall, just the, the, the mom and Aunt Clover were just not there for them in their lives. I'm sure we have all kinds of stories to tell about them. I know um, you guys had some comments about her belt. Um, I don't know if you guys, somebody wants to talk about what she was doing with her belt. I never really understood what she was doing with her belt with the, the uh, blood. What was that about? Yeah, so she wore a, a white belt. And anytime that she got beat or hurt by John... So I guess you have to back up to the part where she covers her mirrors, right? So she always says that rehab is like a place of mirrors where she has to face the person that she has 
or has become or whatever. She doesn't like who she is. So in her own home, in an effort to not have to see her own face reflection in a mirror either, she likes to cover up all of these cracks she thinks she sees in herself or these cracks in her facade that she will cover up with a piece of tape. Um, so not only does she do that for the crack she sees visually, but she thinks that every time she gets hit or beat by one of her Johns or they draw blood from her, that that crack has seeped out and allowed blood to come out. And because she obviously does drugs and she shoots things up in her veins all the time, she thinks she doesn't have a whole lot of blood left. So she actually will collect some of the blood in a fingerprint or whatever it is and mark it on her white belt, thinking that one day she's going to come back and need to have that excess blood to fill in the cracks that she has in her makeup or her design. So it's kind of like an interesting imagery thing about her. I always thought that Clover was an artistic being. Like, she's just such an artsy person. Um, even though she's a terrible aunt for letting the things happen to the girls, I think she had a kind of a softer side, a much more softer side than the mother did of, of, of both of them. I would I would put my my better judgment on Clover than I would have in Adeline. Well, and, and Aunt Clover seemed more involved, or at least that's the way from Arcade's point of view. That's who she she talked to most was Aunt Clover. Um, even though mm -hmm. she was she was horrible, um, but she was somewhat there for her, I guess. <laughs> I mean, she talked to her because she was the one sitting out on the couch. You know, Mom was laying on her lumpy mm -hmm. mattress in her room forever. So you know, the only reason Aunt Clover the, the things Aunt Clover had to say were like, "What? Look at this rock on the Grand Canyon. I know why it's missing." You know, she had just weird shit to say, making her cream corn phone like. Aunt Clover was on a different planet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I found really fascinating about the dynamic of Aunt Clover and Adeline the mom? I felt like it was a, a portrayal of the, the Daffy and Ark story as well, where, um, you know, Adeline became addicted to drugs because her husband, the father of the girls, Flood, came home from, well, you're probably about to get into the story of him, I guess, but, you know, comes home from overseas um, addicted to drugs. I don't remember exactly which ones he started using overseas. Was it actually heroin? I don't think it was heroin. It was speed. I don't know that it ever... Okay. Speed. Was it speed? Okay. So he came back addicted to speed, but I guess he couldn't get his hands on that. Got his hands on heroin instead, and he dragged Adeline down with him, and Clover only started using drugs in an attempt to... Only because Adeline did, and she thought she could help her, which is from Ark's perspective... The same time she started to use drugs was because Daffy introduced it first. And Daffy, of course, in air quotes, um, because Daffy introduced it and she thought, well, we're going to fight this together, um, which goes back to play whenever Daffy died from the flu. Ark thought that if she got sick with the flu, too, she could help Daffy fight it. Instead, it killed Daffy and Ark lived a very sad, lonely, depressed life. Something interesting I learned about the author, too, is that Aunt Clover and Adeline are um, based on or are loosely based on her own aunts in her life. So she has two aunts who battle addiction and she loosely based those characters on her real relatives, which I thought was interesting. Okay, what's that up with a the spittle, spittle spider? Where are you going to hide her? What's up with that? I still don't know. I don't what's understand that? that part. And, and then you got to rock you gotta hair. spit. <laughs> And you got to spit it and smack it wherever mm -hmm. it goes. Yeah. She's, she there. was pretty gross. Mm. Yeah. She was pretty gross. Yeah. And what she was, um, the whole story, she was collecting the twig things, right? Um, and twigs of all these random sizes and shapes. And everyone was like, what is wrong with your aunt? Like, what a total freaking nut job. And she creates this, like, masterpiece on the wall, which she thinks is the Mona Lisa at the very end. 
Um, but I thought that she was doing it like to make it into to Daffy, or at least that's what I thought she was supposed to be doing, but she's not. It's like the fucking Mona Lisa, which is in her mind, is that I mean, what Daffy's supposed to look like? Maybe. I mean, it was in Daffy's room. It was on Daffy's wall that she did it, that she did her little stick collection. You know, she did it in honor of Daffy. So maybe she was calling it the Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. I know she mentioned the Mona Lisa early in the story, but I don't mm-hmm. remember what she was referencing. Maybe that was another dropping. It was there. her history channel. It was her dis- history yeah. channel stuff that she was watching. Which uh, we have to call out. She would watch the travel. It was a travel channel and she would watch travel it on channel. mute. And I don't know, I guess so that she could pretend, like, I don't know, but she would watch it on mute. (laughs) She's probably old and didn't like loud sounds, which I get that, so. Do you remember, Samantha, when, um, who was it? Was it Aunt Penny? She would, um, she liked to have us watch the Travel Channel stuff, too. And she would put it on where the train was going down the road, and we'd have to, like, go stand next to the TV and smile like we were, like, taking a picture next to a train. And it's, like, it immediately made me think, of Aunt Clover, and I was like, what the? <laughs> this is like a real thing people do. Yes. I had that same thought too, Ness. <laughs> oh, and here's some more weird shit she did. She would go fishing for receipts in the trash cans outside of stores and then try and ask for the money back at a, like, take the receipt back into the store and try to get her money back. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, it's actually brilliant. It's kind of genius. Good job. <laughs> Good job, Aunt Clover. <laughs> It's quite smart. <laughs> Sounds legit. Yeah, there was a lot of unique ways of making money in this story. You know, there was a good bit of panhandling, and they always had like a different story that they came up with to try to get money from people. You know, and we've we've seen them. You know, you see them all the time. Stopped at you know the corners of lights, and they've got their story, and you can tell it's someone who's been road hard and put up wet. And now I just have a lot more sympathy for them. I don't know sympathy, but also I mean. It, I mean, it is what it is, but I do, you know, they're real humans in my head now. Not that they weren't before, but the book really personalized it. Yes, Roseanne, good God, your hand is raised. You're going to pee yourself. Yes, what? <laughs> I have something so funny to say. <laughs> so we were in Atlanta sure. earlier. We, we, it is so funny. We were in Atlanta earlier and we were, you know, in traffic and there was, you know, panhandlers. And this one guy was holding a sign that said, I'm too ugly to be a prostitute. And if Terrence or I had any dollars, we were going to give them to him, but we had no money on us at all. I know. And I was like, you know, and then I I told Terrence the story that we're reading and how I was like, I'm really trying better to like humanize addicts and not just like dismiss them. So anyways, that was just my little. But you, but you still laughed. But you (laughs) still He wanted you to. He wanted you to. He wanted you to That was a hilarious sign. Comical effort. Here's five bucks. Yeah. That was a hilarious sign. It was probably the most craftiest um, homeless sign I've seen. Mm-hmm. And then I saw one today. This one was actually so sad. It said homeless, but not hopeless. Oh. A little so poet sad, there. isn't it? Anyways, if I had dollars today, I would have given them to homeless people and I never give homeless people money. I'm one of those. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but I would have today because my heart has been changed. Well, I don't know. Did you oh. not realize that they were faking it? All of their panhandling was they had like a Google picture of a baby printed out on her photo. Like, I need money for my baby. Like, if anything, yeah. it made me realize they're all lying. They not are. all of them, but a lot of them are lying. Like, <laughs> yeah, I have a hard time with with giving money to, to people. And it's not not that I'm heartless by any means. We tried to give a bottle of water one time and he was like, nope. I'm like, where are you going to get fresh water from? Like, why would you not take it? Right. <laughs> you but have okay. one tooth left. Exactly. I think you need water. <laughs> Exactly. What kind of bottle of water was it? 
I mean, does that matter? Was it fucking Dasani? It does matter. If it matters if it's fucking Dasani. It was probably like store brand like spring water or some shit. Like, I don't know. I really, I really don't like Zephyr Hills. So if it was that, I would have turned it down hardcore. Tastes like He he checks the label. No. No, Exactly. This shit's trash. pH balance. Oh, this one has fluoride? No. Something, for some reason, this is reminding me of uh, probably because I'm, I'm just assuming they're dirty. That's just me being, again, very judgy. But I'm thinking about the clothes that Adeline would wear, specifically when she was hanging up the father's clothes after he died. And they described what she was wearing, which was what what they call it. Uh, wait, I'm pretty sure you guys wrote it in the thing. Yes. Saggy old satin underwear. <laughs> like bagging Saggy. in the butt and crotch. Yeah. We all picture it. We know. <laughs> and camisole. I feel like I've had light. some in my life. Yeah. <laughs> And they're crunchy, y'all. You know the you know they're crunchy in the crotch. Yeah. Well, she's Ew. always sweaty. They always describe her as sweaty and smelly and just looking like she needs a bath. Like that is the description of her the entire book. And she's a prostitute, a sex worker with no right. Yeah. I know. She's crunchy. Yeah. It's crunchy yeah. as hell. Yeah, with hers yeah. and his. Yeah. yeah, it's crunchy. They talk about how they must how they start to really stink later on in the story and how like Daffy, even though it's really arcade, is saying, I can't even handle the smell anymore. It's so gross. And you're just like, could you even imagine? Like, that's your mom. That's your aunt. And this is where you live. And you, ugh, I can't. I can't. It's bad. Yeah, it was bad. bad. This book was hard for me. It's just so sad. (laughs) The time when Arcade was like, uh, she's like, Daffy, you know, you're starting to stink like mama. And I guess she was talking to herself. Mm -hmm. Which is just, it's all sad when you, it just, like we said, heavy book. Heavy, heavy book. Yeah. Yeah, it takes, it takes you on a ride. Yeah. Can we talk more about the mom and the weird shit she does in the mattress? Yeah. Because this made me laugh. It's just the image of it. The pack rat shoving things in her mm-hmm. <laughs> hole in her mattress. Yeah. I mean, and she would steal such random stuff. Like one of them, and I don't know if this is right, like a ticket to a movie and then like a core of an apple, um, like a, a random string or just a straw or just random stuff. Like a, I think one of them was like a, and this, Rosie, maybe you can help us. It was a, a cap to a pin. What do you do with those? I think that was something to do with heroin. That's what I was asking. Interesting, interesting oh. you would know. <laughs> you, know you know what? I, I have this note. like, can you guys get my, my list out? Are you ready for your rebuttal? Does I say I'm not a crack whore? I'm not say? a heroin addict. No, I was... Oh. Is it time for my rebuttal? Is that your affirmations? Yes, it's time for your rebuttal. I, I, I was not a heroin saying, addict. I was simply Write it saying, 25 times and see if it helps. I just... I've never done heroin in my life. I will preface that by saying I've not done heroin. Um, if you want to get technical, I guess I've done a form of it way back in the day doing ecstasy. Back when that was a thing, I think there was heroin smashing it. But anyways, that's the closest I've been to heroin. All I was saying when I was reading this book was that the way that they talked about how it makes you feel had me feeling like, wow, like that sounds really nice. And I think if you read the book and you're listening to the descriptions, you're like, oh, wow, that sounds really fucking nice. Why haven't I ever done heroin? That was all I said during my reading of the book that somehow turned me into a heroin addict. So I'm just um, defending myself. Well, we still haven't talked about the dad or even mama yet. And then you want to get into all the queen, the chili coffee queens. Mama milkweed, oh, please. Milkweed. Is this Samantha or Stephanie's favorite character? My mom. I if I can just do one thing with my life, it will be to to be Mama Milkweed when I get older. Mm-hmm. That's I literally have sure my fave. Mama. She was my fave. She was my total favorite, and uh, yeah, yeah, I there was like I think it was like 
chapter three when she died, but they spent the first half of the chapter describing her. And there was this really sweet line um, where they were like, there was a period where Daffy and me, we thought that everything either came from or was created by or done by a woman. And that was because of Mama Milkweed, because she just like, she was a woman warrior. And all she did was up, like just uplift women and women and women. and was trying so hard to get the girls ready for the life that was ahead of them. Cause I think a part of her probably had a, had an idea, you know, she couldn't live forever. She knew she was pretty much their only lifeline. So she tried so hard to give them all the little tips and tricks she could give them lighting their hair on fire, you know, like just mama milk. We bless her heart. She tried so hard. Um, it's no surprise really that Clover was such a creative. I mean, look who she came from. Yeah. You know, that's true. Yeah. Um, I'd agree. I do, I do wonder, you know, how the girls went. So well, I guess we know how they went so far, but I think it, I think it's mostly where they lived. Um, stuff because that area of the country was just ravished it was like when crack took it, over la in the 80s like it's it just happened here in the midwest so i think that's just i'm pretty sure it still is is it not it is yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah but can we describe mammal milkweed <laughs> so people have a visual who didn't read the book yeah. Yeah, I got that, guys. Um, How so, eclectic she is. I, I, loved, I loved this description because I didn't pick up on this, honestly, when I listened to it. So thank you to whoever did this. But um, the description we have in here, she's got red curly hair. As you guys, obviously, there's a theme. They're redheads. The, the family's redheads. Um, she always wore sheer scarves on her neck, which you do hear her talk about the the scarves a lot. And this is actually the, the first part that broke my, part, my heart in the book was whenever she brings in that yellow fabric and Daffodil says, it's the prettiest thing we'll ever see, Ark. And it's just like the saddest thing ever. Like I literally like teared up at that part. I'm like, oh God, this book is going to be rough. Um, but that's what Mamma Milkweed was for them. She was their light. She was their, you know, shining in all the darkness they were in. Um, she was very much their, their saving grace, 100%. Um, Rosie, um, as she said, you know, she's always saying hippie shit. Um, I'm assuming Roseanne wrote that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Um, claims they came from witches. So he's got little stories for him, which is where the, the eyes came from. They're witches marbles. That was coined by Bob Mama Milkweed. Um, and, and really the sad part in it all, and we, we hit it at the beginning, she does die early on in the book, which doesn't help, you know, the girl's situation. She ends up getting hit by a car. She's, she's checking the mailbox for a little catalog the girls would make for her. They loved flowers. And that's actually where she got the milkweed name from was from a flower. Um, so they would draw her these bulb catalogs, which I don't know why it took me so long to picture what it was, but it's literally flower bulbs. Um, but they would make them this catalog. She was checking the mailbox for a catalog they made for her and uh, she got hit by a car. Um, so just super, super sad story about Mama milkweed and just the, the demise of, of the girls. And the co- I forgot we- to highlight her fabulous outfit. I, I, oh, I know. I was like, sorry. you gotta, you gotta say what she wore. Like this was on the reg. This, I put this I'm in here because this was verbatim. a reg. This yeah. is on the reg for Mamma milkweed. <laughs> verbatim. We're going to read it because Roseanne specifically wrote it that way. She wore biker shorts with compression socks and green sandals, fanny pack with nature shit on it, beating Beaded glasses with a chain, was always sweating, and wore a lot of mascara and lipstick. <laughs> that was what they said in the book, and I was like, we've got to describe this to a T. People need to have this image. Did it say nature shit on it in the book? I don't remember that part. No, but it always had like a, she had different fanny packs, but they always had some kind of nature quote on it. So yeah. Well, she had, she wore a lot of shirts that would say like, uh, thank God for granddaughters and like save the frogs. Like she wore like the graphic tee prints with her biker shorts and her fanny pack and her fucking scarves. Like I just, I adored Mamaw Milkweed. 
And obviously she had to be strong to, for, to live in Chillicothe, Ohio, and probably be one of the few sober people in the entire town. Mm-hmm, Poor thing. Mm-hmm. I have a, um, a quote that she said that I wanted to share. It says, a witch is not a pointy hat or a broom or warts. A witch is merely a woman who is punished for being wiser than a man. So that kind of speaks also to like who she was and how she was. So, yeah. We're all witches. It's a tragedy. She was taken so soon. Cheers, witches. Cheers, witches. (laughs) And may we always stay witches. Don't let the man bring you down. (laughs) Greg's probably like, I'm about to bring you dinner. (laughs) We're trashing him on the podcast. (laughs) Before we move on from Mamma Milkweed, we got to talk about our ashes and what happened with them. Because oh, that yeah, was really sad. Yeah. That was really hard. So, so Mamma Milkweed, after she passed, um, Aunt Clover and Adeline, the mom, had her cremated because they didn't want to spend the money to bury her in any other way. And they wouldn't even pay for one of the urns there. So they picked her up in a coffee can. And they told the girls, we're going to let her fly into the wind. She's going to fly like a witch. She'll be so happy. Blah, blah, blah. We'll release her ashes. She'll love it. Well, then Mamma Milkweed sat on the counter in a coffee can for weeks, and Daffy would wake up every morning and drum her little fingers on the coffee can and talk to Mamma Milkweed, good morning, you know, and share. And one day she went to visit Mamma Milkweed on the kitchen counter, and there was no coffee can. And after storming around the house, I mean, I could just, like, feel her. Nice. Feel her, like, panic building, you know, trying to find Mamma Milkweed in her little coffee can. And she hears the toilet flush and there's a John who has just gone to the restroom. John being obviously, we all know what a John is. One of the guys there visiting the the prostitutes that lived in the house. And uh, yeah, he uh, made a cup of coffee with Mama Milkweed's ashes, said it tasted like shit. So he flushed her down the toilet. And that was the end of the glorious woman. But of course, Ark spun it for us. She spun it for us. She spun it for Daffy primarily. And Daffy was still alive at this point in the story. Um, she spun it for Daffy that uh, the toilet was taking her out to the river so she could be in the river where she loved to be anyways, where she felt like the river was a woman, you know, I mean, everything was a woman to me, mom milkweed, but the river was an exceptionally powerful woman. So mm-hmm. that's how she ended up as sad as it was that it went down the toilet. We're going to go with arcade story that she ended up in the river. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And just when you think that their lives like can't get any worse, they do. Like, it's always just, like, it just keeps coming at them, like, constantly throughout the book. Yes. Like, every man in their lives, except for one, which I know we'll talk about, is, is you know, there's one who, well, I guess technically two. I don't know. We'll get into that. Right? But for right. the most part, they're, yeah, we don't. There's just so many creeps involved in their lives. Well, um, even it was really sad. Um, the description, I guess they did it at the end of the book, where they described when the girls were taken away from Mamma Milkweed and given back to her parents. So for a, a time period, I don't remember how long it was. They lived with Mamma Milkweed. They had she had custody of them, and Adeline and Flood got clean and said they were all you know they were good to take the girls back. It was it was really sad to picture the descriptions they were giving about the girls leaving Mamma Milkweed. Like you know how hard that was for Mamma Milkweed. She wouldn't let them call her mom. She made sure they knew she was not their mother. But I mean, she was raising the girls, and they were, I mean, they were her heart and soul. And like to hand them back to them, knowing probably you know what was going to happen, um, it had to be really hard. But I mean. Yeah, just all a really, God, just all fucking sad. I hate saying it over it and is. over again, but it was just such a sad story. And it and it happens all the time. It's not like this was made up and it's a rarity. I mean, this is real life for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and, and to highlight just again, how shitty that the mom Adeline is. I remember this part too, where, um, a John comes in the house and he's choking her. So, um, Ark decides, or Daffodil, I don't know which one she was being at the time. I don't know if one of them was alive at the time, but Ark runs up and she's trying to save her mom. So she's, um, I can't remember exactly what happened. Does she drop a glass and she cuts her foot? But I just remember like thinking about this little kid and her foot is hurting and she's telling her mom how much it hurts. And her mom is being horrible to her. Like, I don't even remember the name she calls her. And I'm just like, to your point, Stephanie, this is some people's real life. And that's, again, this book was just so it touched a lot of those aspects that I think, you know, for us, like we, we haven't been in lives like that. So we don't, we don't know what it's like, but that's the real life for some people um, where that's just, they don't have love like, like we have. So. What was even sad about that story was how she, she cut her foot running out to like defend her mother from the attack and, and literally stabbed the dude with her little arrowhead she had dug up. Cause Arcade was a digger. She, um, they, they called her Ark for a couple of reasons. Her name was Arcade, but they also said she was a little archeologist cause she was always digging in the dirt um, and she had dug up a, a arrowhead and stabbed this John who was choking her mom. And, and, and yeah, it wasn't even Adeline who took care of her. Aunt Clover patched her up. Um, I think Daffy got her drunk. I think Daffy was still alive at this time. She had not yet she died. Was. But it wasn't long after because she I'm pretty sure she got the flu. Or maybe I'm making – maybe I'm doing the jump. I no, thought she, she got, got the it. flu from being out at night with Art she while did. she was digging for that arrowhead. So shortly after this, mm-hmm. Daffy died. But, um, yeah, just really sad because Ark was just – she was obviously mature – she was like the adult in the house who she took care of her sister. She knows she was responsible and all that. And it just, she was just treated so, so shitty. Her mom never even said thank you that night, by the way. <clears throat> Crawled back to her room like the little freaking weirdo she was mm-hmm. scampering across the floor. Yeah. She does later bring up that does same yeah. arrowhead and does later give it to Ark and says, I take this now to protect yourself. Yeah, you know, and I'll give it back to you now. Like, okay, but at the time you. when Thanks, her mom. poor little daughter needed that reassurance, yeah, yeah she didn't give it and to her. So, bitch. Yeah, I don't know. I I did feel bad when later on we started reading her diary entries. I felt a smidge. I smelt a smidge of sorrow for the mother. I'll say that I did, but no. I don't think I ever did. I did mm-hmm. because it was just sad, and she just couldn't fight it. And I guess I don't understand what it's like to be like that, but I know people cannot fight it. They love their children. They love their husbands. They they try so hard, but they just cannot. And I don't understand what that's like. I'm probably never going to, but that is some people's reality, and that is very sad. Well, that can kind of lead us into the chili coffee queen. I know. Because, I want to talk about that. Um, that when you're saying, you know, the the – yeah, about the the – you can love your husband. You can love your child. Um, that was one of the girls in the Chili Coffee Queen. So I'd love to talk about them so we can open that door. Yeah, of course. So um, we're going to dub these girls the heroin queen team. Um, and the reason is because when they would get high, they would say they were wearing their crowns. That was their, their saying to each other. Um, they would wear their crowns and they would call themselves the queens of Chili Coffee. Um, these girls were all brutally murdered. So just keep that in mind. We're reading their descriptions. Um, so we've got Thursday. And I don't know if, if we have them all in here. I'll be honest. I kind of zoned out on some of their names. Um, okay, cool. All right. So we've got Thursday. Um, she's, she was like the, the trailer everybody hung out at. Um, she actually was the one that you were like, what the hell is wrong with you? You've got normal parents. You've got parents who care about you. They would bring her groceries. They would give her pizza money with my air quotes, even though they knew she was buying drugs with them. Um, but she had extremely involved parents, um, but just literally would rather be a, a drug addict living in a trailer doing what she's doing. Um, 
We've got Say Janelle. Um, she was a psychology major dropout. Um, unfortunately, her parents disowned her. Um, and, and when she ended up, you know, passing, her parents basically what they they cremated her and didn't even give her a funeral. Said she wasn't worth it. Um, she did always wear the same sweatshirt, which is where she got some of her nickname from, um, with a sorority symbol on it. Um, and she also wore a crusty bra with a wire exposed, and she would use it as a weapon sometimes. Um, now, did she also have a pocket knife? Didn't someone have a yes. pocket knife? Okay. Yes. All right. Was that say Janelle? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. So In she, case she the ball didn't work. <laughs> right. right. So she 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 protected herself with the bra one time, and then was like, "Never again am I going to be caught without a weapon." So she always carried a pocket knife. Yeah. And let's all imagine we've all had that crusty bra with the wires poking up on I the can't. right side. Like I still have it. Like, so I'm- uncomfortable. Like. I gave up a wire a long time ago. (laughs) Hey, but it's good to know you can use it as a weapon, guys, if it ever came down to it. So if you could dig it out out of mine, (laughs) mine's ready to go. I could literally just like any second remove mine. It's like, yeah, it's the painful, you know, it's stabbing into the side fat right there. Yeah, no, I love it. God damn. Let's me know I'm Um, alive. Um, we've got Violet who, who I would say I, I, she was kind of my favorite. If you're going to have a favorite of the, the, the drug addict prostitutes, it was Violet. Um, she was a mom to a young daughter and you just, the struggle was real with her. And it was really sad to see her go back and forth from like rehab to, she was going to open a bakery and get her daughter back. And then, uh, you know, and then she just couldn't fight that addiction to, to like what you said, Rosie, no matter how good things were going for her, she always ended up back you know, back to the needle. Um, and unfortunately, that's what, what ended up her, her demise. Um, she was also found in the river. Yeah, Violet, um, I, this is, this was just kudos to Tiffany McDaniel, because she, there wasn't a lot of information about Violet's life before she did not go into a ton of detail, but she gave you just enough to know that her husband was not a bad guy, that he was actually really good. Um, that, he, you know, he was fully taking care of their daughter now. And you, you could just, it, there was enough information to know that he tried to, to wait with Violet and work it out and eventually had to do what was best for their daughter, which was, you know, to divorce her and get them away. Um, and she just, Tiffany did a wonderful job of giving you just enough of the background. Cause there's a lot of people. I mean, we're not even done with the characters yet. There was a yeah. ton, but Tiffany did a really good job. Um, like she's my best friend, Tiffany, first name basis. Hey Tiff. Um, she just did excellent at being able to like <laughs> give you just enough details in the background, not eat up a lot of time, but she just set the stage for everybody. Ton of backstories to get through. She just did a really good job. I just wanted to give a little shout out because that story for some reason, probably because it's really sad. I mean, I think we all felt the same about Violet. It's just, yeah. um, I mean, they're all sad that this, this situation yes. was... Which she goes Love to, to see her daughter. Yeah, yep. she goes yeah. and sees her daughter at the fence and her daughter just wants to go home with her. Like, it's just, it's so sad. Um, it really is just super sad. I can't imagine seeing my kid through a chain link fence and like that was as close as I could get. No actually hugging him. No like – I can't imagine how that would feel. Um, and at the same time, I can't imagine him not being enough to, to stop anything else in my life that, you know. So there's a little bit of back and forth there as you watch a mother struggle with that where you're like, is your kid not enough to pull you out? But obviously not. She, she got addicted from pain meds from the hospital um, from an injury she had. And I, a lot of people – that's how a lot of people become addicted to drugs like heroin. So I had a question. So um, after she dies and um, um, Ark has the tape where she recorded herself talking to her daughter and all that stuff, did she record that knowing she was going to be killed or dying or like, because the way that some of the stuff is, if you listen to Ark listening to it in the car, it was written as if she was like going to kill herself and wanted to make sure her daughter knew she was still with her and things like that. So I found that one kind of 
So just food for thought, I felt like some of these characters were all maybe not killed by the same person. So I always was curious about her. Was hers actually a murder or was hers intentional to end some of the stuff for her daughter? I just had questions about hers. Unanswered. Perhaps. I would think maybe Violet understood she was living an extremely high-risk life. Whether someone murdered her or not, the chances maybe. of overdosing were high. I mean, um, maybe it was just... I don't remember. I don't remember exactly what she said in it, so I, I can't... I don't really have an opinion. But she said things like, when I'm gone, just know when you see a butterfly... Or um, just know whenever you see a butterfly, it's me. I'm always with you. I am the butterflies and things like that. It was just... it The way that it was said, it was as if she knew she was dying or going to die. And so... I just had questions about whether or not that was maybe intentional or if she was preemptive enough to think that way, which makes her even a better mother, I think, in some ways, like to be that conscious of the fact that, well, actually makes me sad now. Even more sad. (laughs) I knew you were doing something to die. Well, yeah, I took it to mean like she knew there was a chance she was probably going to OD at some point in her life. So she left that for her daughter just in case. Yeah. Or, or at least never make it back into her life as her mother. You know, that, yeah. that's how I, when I, when the tape was playing, I didn't go there, Vanessa, but you were obviously looking at this story in a very different way early on. So yeah. when I'm listening, when I'm listening to the tape, you know, I don't even know Daffy's dead yet. So I, you were, you had a different oh, mindset. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, something else about Violet, um, just her image. So she had, when she was sober, she had her hair dyed purple And she had this tattoo down the middle of her head that said, I am important. And so when she was sober, she had her hair parted in the middle so you could read that. And then when she relapsed, she would part her hair on the side and cover up her little tattoo. So she just obviously struggled back and forth a lot with her addiction. And um, something sad when she relapsed Thursday went the fuck off on her. She was like, you druggy whore, you're supposed to be the clean one. Like you're supposed to be better than us. Like, you know, she was kind of like the mother of the group. So I think all the girls probably felt like us were like, wow, you're the one who was supposed to stay clean. So, you know, her friends took it personally when she relapsed as well. And that was sad. Well, yeah, I bet there was a level of like, if Violet can't do it, what the fuck are we even trying for? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that was a big part of it. So it was probably a lot of misplaced anger, which it's interesting Thursday had all that to say because we skipped over that part about Thursday. We skipped. I have so much to say about Thursday. Can we go back? Let's back up. Let's go. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, I can hit Indigo real quick and then we can hit all of the, the, let me just hit Indigo. She's the last one. Um, so Indica only plays a small, small part in the book. She, whenever Arcade and, and Daffodil, let's just say, cause we didn't know she wasn't there. Um, when they both go to rehab, this is where they meet Indigo. Um, she actually tried to get Arcade to leave with her at one point to go. I think she was going mm-hmm. to visit her brother. So she was going to go get clean. Um, she was a math, math genius, which is just kind of crazy. You don't always think about, you know, smart people when it comes to making stupid decisions, like, like getting addicted to drugs. Um, but, uh, but yeah, she ended up what getting, getting in a uh, a vehicle with a truck driver, right? And then never never showing back up. Was her body ever found? I they did find her. was ever found. Yes, she, she, she did. Okay. Yeah. I don't okay. remember her getting in the truck with a truck driver. I thought she was last seen going to meet the violin man dude before she was leaving yes. town, is what so she Sammy, told you're, Art. Sammy, did you research the story, like the actual story? Because you're literally giving word for, like the in the real Chillicothe 6 case, with the missing women, one of them 
got is in that the truck. what happened? Wow. Oh, really? So I did listen oh, okay. to a podcast. I did listen to Pretty one, scary. and I yeah. shouldn't mm-hmm. have. Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're, okay. you're, you're getting the, 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 yeah, yeah. So no, da- Thursday, Indigo was leaving. She was clean. She was heading out of town and uh, was going to go stop by and see John, Teresa, the violin man, who is the man who hit Mamaw Milkweed with his car. The girl, he kind of filters in and out of the girl's life, and he ended up working at the rehab facility. Um, so anyways, yeah. Um, that was the last person that she went to go see mm-hmm. before she left. And that put, you Which know, is an unknown question. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk about those suspects, guys, in a minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's definitely high on my list. Um, and I have a quick and question Indigo. about Indigo. Oh. Go, Steph. No, I was Funny just going to say, Indigo, funniest motherfucker is what my name is on here. Whatever. Um, Indigo was the only time I will say I was a little bit suspicious about Daffy, but even still, I did not think Daffy was was dead. I just thought, I don't know what I thought, but Indigo, when she's leaving, she's telling Ark, she's like, well, why don't you come with me? And Ark's like, you know, I'm really chained to this place. And in Ark's perception, because this is Ark narrating, she says she can tell Daffy is looking at them and watching this interaction um, mm-hmm. with a bit of jealousy. Because, it, And I really want to talk about the personality that Daffy has as an adult because it's all fabricated by by Ark. But I'm not going to get into it right now. But it, I, there was a moment where I was like, ooh, like, is Indigo – like, Indigo's onto something. And I didn't know what it was because I did not know Daffy was dead. But Indigo was the only one who I felt like that triggered something in my brain, that something was up with Daffy. You know when they all um, are at the rehab center and they're all like, let's let's get baptized, and they all like baptize each other in the river or whatever it is. Daffy's the only one that never gets baptized. In case nobody noticed that part. What that's happened? Why, that's she was part of like some the of the clues. She never, she never, she was just sitting on the thing. She was never actually. She never got in the water like everybody else. Everybody else got baptized, but Daffy. That's just some of the clues of that fact that she just didn't exist. That's interesting. I'm mm-hmm. so it's it's wild. To I'm going to need you up. to go back and reread. Well, I have been piece well because I mean it's a 15, 16 hour book, you know, audio book. So I, I wasn't able to re listen to the whole thing. I tried to skip around and pay attention to like when they were older and when they were younger and try to pick it up. And I really, I couldn't. I I, I feel dumb like without much you guys picked up, but I feel dumb. I did not pick it up even after knowing. I still couldn't like. I mean, there was moments where I was like, oh, I mean, no one really talked to her, but I didn't. Nothing stuck out to me. Mm mm. Mm-mm, I know. I'm I only down. picked it up because I I re-listened. That's the only reason I have anything uh, with an intelligent thought to say about that plot twist. Did you re-listen to the around. whole book? I did. I don't even know who I am, Whoa. and I like the narrator. <laughs> Whoa. That's how I did spittle spittle spatter so good because she does a real good country ass accent, mm-hmm. um, and she did so good. Just real quick at the end when. Um, Adeline in her diary, she did mm-hmm. real good when she started slurring at the end, getting real shitty. She did a real good job yes. reading that. So props to that. Can we go back to Badass Thursday? Because I have a lot to say about her and her yeah. little attitude and Let's persona. Yep. Um, so she was just a fiery little thing. She had a whole bunch of piercings, like her nose, eyebrows, ears all the way up. She wore a shit ton of jewelry. Nothing fancy, of course, like the shitty plastic kind my friends used to make fun of me for wearing, actually. Um, She was always the one to hand out the crowns to the girls because she had been doing it the longest. So she was in charge of the drugs. Um, She had this little tattoo on her hands that was like a stamp that says paid when you go out to clubs and stuff to prove to her parents that she would always be out late. Like as a eternal fuck you to her tender loving parents, which 
another sad aspect. We'll talk about them yeah. later because I, I do want to talk. I want to talk about her. <laughs> I do too. I do. Um, she had this obsession with like cutting holes in all her clothes because the girls would try to control like one thing of their life. So that was hers, like cutting the holes in her clothes. And if someone has a better explanation of that, you can hit that because I, I don't really, I didn't get that. She was a little animal lover. She had like, um, you know, those little things you get in the mail that say like, save the bees, save the elephants, save the butterflies, all that shit. She would stick them on her wall and make a little like animal wall and she would um, give chips to all the animals, you know, just just real tender to the little animals out in the woods. I thought it was just so cute for a little heroin addict to care about animals so much for some reason. Yeah. They were, <laughs> they were walking through the woods at one point down to the river to their distant mountain to shoot up their drugs. And they were, uh, they like picked up a, a rock or something and they sprinkled um, chips back on the ground to give it back to the earth. Like these little, they, they were so, <laughs> and then like walking through the woods. Yeah. They were, they were insightful. The woods, like, That's you know, a good word. Yeah. yeah, they were so they were so in tune with, and maybe that's what the heroin did for them. It just it kind of they were so in tune in the very very present moment of exactly what it is they were doing, walking by a tree and considering her a woman. Like they just were so like in the moment. Maybe that's what the heroin was. Is that a nod to heroin think, use? Maybe no. no. <laughs> I, think, I think that's her na- her her Indian heritage is where yeah. that stuff comes from. Very in tune to nature. Very. In, mother earth the surrounding beings and the animals the creatures all of that that's that's part of the stuff i was talking about which you kind of really pick up on when you're Mm -hmm. reading her stories it really speaks to her own personal heritage that she kind of feeds into the story through all of the the little nuances the girls say which i think is really cute Mm -hmm. Um, i'm going to go into the sad part of the sad part of thursday let's talk about the sad part of thursday Um, she gets pregnant by an unknown john And, um, she had a little moment where she was kind of breaking down, you know, like, I don't even know who the father is and just the sweet little friends. I think it was mostly Ark said, I know who he is. You know, he's tall, he's handsome. He thinks you're the most beautiful thing in the world. And like, this was just another tender, beautiful, yet sad moment of Ark being a great friend to her in this horrific moment in her life, because let's be honest, no one knew this was going to uh, end well for her. Um, so she, they all go to rehab. Did we even touch on that yet? That they went to rehab? Uh, we Just did lightly. Briefly. We did. Okay. Briefly. So the girls all do Violet end up in rehab. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Violet took them all to rehab. Violet took everybody. Um, mm-hmm. So Daffy and Ark, no, Ark and Daffy in quotes went first. And then Thursday uh, showed up there and, um, she tells them that she's pregnant in rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we find out later, I guess she had a, she was pregnant before Steffi. Did you mm-hmm. know that? Okay. Mm-hmm. And she, I didn't know that. I guess that she had had a, she was pregnant before. Mm-hmm. She had a previous um, and then we find out. Yeah. Okay. And then later on, she ends up losing this baby as well. Um, right after taking a nice fresh dose um, so that was just a really, a really sad story for me for Thursday because she desperately wanted to be a mother. Um, you know, she was even getting real excited about baby stuff. She had her parents on board with the baby stuff and just, you know, watching her go through that whole downward spiral 
when she lost her baby was also super sad. But she did it try. Was very- <laughs> I mean, she. I mean, I guess she tried. I mean, she obviously relapsed, and there was a moment where she. They were. I can't remember exactly how. Maybe it was an arc's perspective, but she's kind of like describing what it would be like for the baby in her stomach while she was shooting up heroin and like what the baby was experiencing, and that just like. That was hard. I don't remember that. That was just hard. Yeah, it was hard. It was a very brief moment, and I wish I wish I had saved the passage to read it. It wasn't much, but it was enough for me. Just that's a Tiffany. She would just dangle little bits enough in there to make your brain go, "Oh my god!" Like that was a whole thing, you know. Because I, I don't want to spend too much time thinking about what a, a fetus would experience while heroin is in the mother's system, but I can't imagine um, any of that felt good for anybody involved. So, yeah, really, really hard, really hard stuff. Well, and her story doesn't ever get any better because she was never found either. Mm-hmm. She was, and that's, that's, I know there was somebody who was never found and, um, mm-hmm. and there, maybe there was one other, but she was, her body was never found, but just to show how great her parents are that even in all of this myths, knowing that, you know, even Thursday's friends are drug addicts, but the mom and dad still wanted to be involved in their lives that, um, when Ark died, which we you know we talked about at the beginning when she died, didn't they have the funeral for her? Mm-hmm. They did. Yeah, they, they ended up throwing a funeral for, for Ark. Um, because they couldn't do do it for Thursday because they didn't find her body. Um, so, well, Ark's aunt actually, she didn't she didn't claim yeah. Ark. She said that that's not her. I'm not yeah. claiming her or somebody else. And so it was Thursday's parents who actually claimed Ark and gave the service for her. I um while we're talking about Thursday's mom, can I just like I cried thinking about her and I totally identified with her. When she was sitting on the steps of the trailer and they were moving all of Thursday's stuff out of the house and she's sitting there crying over that little pamphlet you're talking about, Rosie, where she would get these free little like postcards and crap in the mail. And she like tore a little part on this little postcard that was a piece of shit taped to the wall. Let's be real. Um, And she took it off trying to like reassemble it back in their house. So when Thursday comes home, she has something to come home to. And she's sitting there crying because she tore a tiny little piece and she's worried that Thursday's going to be mad at her for tearing up or destroying one of her things. Like I can't even imagine as a mom, what that must feel like to just want your kid to just like love you. And like, you have so much love, unconditional love for them that it consumes you in that, that capacity. Like, I mean, I just, I just felt so awful for Thursday's mother of all the characters in the story. She by far had my heart, like just in wrenches for sure. Do you want to get further wrenched? I have something to add to that. God Do you remember okay. when she was sitting Wait, on the stairs? <laughs> when she was sitting on the stairs, um, yeah. When Thursday was missing, she said um, she keeps wearing blue, our, our Thursday's favorite color, in the hopes that she would become her daughter's favorite thing. Like, oh isn't that absolutely oh, heartbreaking? See? <laughs> what, yeah. but what was really That's sad horrible. was when we first meet Thursday's parents, and they brought her groceries, and they they didn't say in arcs like you know her parents didn't mention that she was losing too much weight, that her clothes had holes in them, that she smelled. Instead, they just said, you know, make sure you take your vitamins. We bought you fruit and vegetables. Please eat them. And her dad, when he goes to leave, he's like, you know, see you later, alligator. And he does a little alligator clump, you know, the little clap. And, and Ark's like, you could tell it was something he's been doing since she was a kid. And it's just, it was all really sad. I mean, I could imagine her parents every time Thursday relapsed. And I imagine this for a lot of parents who struggle, whose kids struggle with addiction. It's like losing your child over and over again. Um, every time they relapse, every time, you know, they leave you and, and, and you can't bring them back from their addiction. I just imagine it's like it, they die over and over again. And how gut-wrenching would that be? That is very sad. God, this book. Right. No more sad shit, guys. I'm getting into the book. Suspects. 
Let's get into the suspects. Let's get into the fuckers. Yeah. Let's get pissed about the suspects. Let's get, yeah. Let's get into the weird men and their yeah. Um, all right, so we've got a lot of suspects, and what we mean by that is we still don't know who the hell killed all these girls. So every mm-hmm. man involved in their lives is a suspect. Um, so we'll start with John, who we also call the violin man. Um, he is the man who actually hit Mama Milkweed, who hit her with his car. Um, crazy enough, he ends up being kind of a friend to the girls. Um, he ends up seeing them. Now help me out, guys. Does he end up showing up at their house? He does. Yes, he does. Okay, that's how he wants to He comes to, to meet apologize. Them. Exactly. Yeah. He comes to mm-hmm. apologize um, and then ends up being a figure in their lives really throughout the book, which we can dig into. Um, he looks out for them kind of, sort of, in a way. He's, he's kind of there for them. Um, let's see. Something just some, just you can get a physical feel for him. He's in his 30s, so he's not a, a super old guy. Blue eyes, big face, receding hairline. He wears glasses. Um, blue suede shoes. Um, so kind of a little Elvis guy. He loved to play the violin. Um, unfortunately, another poor soul who suffered from addiction. Um, his was alcohol. I believe that was his, his main addiction was alcohol. Um, he does at some point let the girls sleep in a building that he worked at, just further trying to, to, to safeguard them from some of the horrible stuff they were exposed to at their home. Um, I actually forgot about this part that um, Ark beats the shit out of him at the end after all her friends are dead. So I forgot about that, whoever added that bit. Um, and, and interesting enough, why he's one of the suspects is not only is he always showing up in their lives, even when they're younger to even when they're older in the rehab facility, he's always kind of around, but he has this interesting butterfly tattoo on his palm with antennas that um, they seem to get more antennas every time a girl goes missing. Um, so just a little, a little suspicion there on that part. Um, do you guys mean to keep rolling or do you guys want to talk about John? Can I talk about why I thought he was also one of the killers? So there's a part in the story where um he mentions that, let me see if I can get this right. So um, when the girls first saw him at the gym, when they first went, okay, so the girls went to the gym and saw him there and he allowed them to stay there. Well, girls, I say Ark, because Daffy was dead at this point. And this is where Ark does the swimming team and all that stuff. Um, John kind of looks after the, her for a while while she's living there. Um, but when they first see him there, they kind of go to the car to go look and see if the violin is in there and they're looking around and they see this large object in the back of the back of the car in the back seat of the car. But they're like, what is that? That's too big to be a violin. And then he quickly kind of says, get away from my car. And they move the story along as if it was nothing. So my question of the day, one of my questions was, was that a body? First of all, could he have been responsible for something in that moment that they missed? Um, two, he showed up at one point in time with a bunch of blood on him um, at the same time when they were at the gym and they asked him, is that your blood? And he said, it's not mine. He was really drunk. So he could have gotten in some sort of other altercation at that moment. And then when they are at the rehab center after he's gotten sober um, and Ark and goes into his little room and she sees the bugs floating in all the water and stuff or in the jars getting ready to float in water, he makes a comment about how he thinks that souls live only if they see their reflection upon death, which is why he wants them to die laying on their stomachs in the water. And all of the girls in the story are found floating face down in the water, which I found interesting as if that had some parallel or correlation to his little theory of why he thinks things need to die upside down. I That's mean, if someone's floating down a river hitting rocks and stuff they might flip around a couple times maybe i'm just saying i know i get you well so he also in that in that cabin 
he had a jar with all of their names written on paper, all the women who That's had right. died. And he said it was like something like some like little, you know, just like he was using it. It's like, oh, it's just a thing to remember them by, blah, blah, blah. But it was interesting. And 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 John is where how we find out that Daffy is not alive. Um Correct. because Ark asks him, Have you seen Thursday? Because Thursday's missing. He says, No, I haven't seen Thursday. And he's like, Have you seen Daffy? And he's like, Ark, I've never seen Daffy. And she's like, what do you mean? You saw her well, at the house. And he says, that's the last time I saw her was at the house. That was the only time I ever saw her. And, and Ark's arguing. She's like, no, you saw her at the gym. And he's like, I saw you at the gym um, because the girls had one eye of each color, one green, one blue, but they had opposite. It was the opposite eye for each of them. So one's left eye was green, one's left eye was blue. And, and John noticed at the gym that Ark would pretend to be Daffy, would say she was Daffy. But he noticed her eyes and knew it wasn't her. And he kind of just kept the secret for her. And he asked her, he says, where's where's Daffy, Ark? What'd you do to her? And Ark says to him, and in the moment, she's floating in the river. Um, and that's where she's been since she was nine. So that's the, John is the reason we find out in the story. And you don't find out that Daffy is dead, by the way. I feel like it's important to say until like chapter 40, what, 49 or something? You're you're in the 400s. This, page, this book was 455 pages. So you're in the 400s before you find out that Daffy is actually dead. Well, the dumb of us who didn't know it find out that late in the story. Vanessa, apparently. Did anyone else think Ark did it? I, that Ark was a killer? I find I it did. interesting, I, Sammy. I had a I theory. You were like, yeah, you were like, let's talk about the suspects. You know, every man, you know, we don't know who did it, so every man was a suspect. We didn't say any women were a suspect, and this very easily yeah. could have been. You know, this wasn't, this didn't seem like sex crimes. The women weren't raped. They weren't, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how easily you could tell because they were, they were again, all prostitutes. Naked. Oh, yeah, and they were prostitutes, so if there were signs of recent sex, it wasn't unusual. But they weren't like violently raped. We'll say that they were. There wasn't signs clearly of like sexual abuse. Um, so it's interesting that we automatically assume one of the men in the story is the suspect, and not any of the women in the story. It's very interesting. Yeah. Is it because later Ark is killed, and therefore we assume she's not the killer of all the other? Well, obviously, but she doesn't die until the end. Oh, oh, wait. Yeah. There. She died in the beginning. Stephanie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought Stephanie. that um, one of my theories was that um, she dressed the girls up after they OD'd. Like she found them OD'd or something. Uh-huh. And she's the and one she that put, put the, crowns the little on their crowns heads. on their head. Or, um, you know, they were also found with like um, twigs and shit, like in their vaginas and in their mouths and things like that, which I thought was weird. But I thought it was maybe her way of returning them to the earth or some other weird hippie shit. I don't understand. Um, hmm. But at the end, when Ark dies, she does say he repeatedly when she's talking about who killed her. And mm-hmm. I think they've said, maybe it was Aunt Clover said something about those killings are the killings of a man with that kind of rage. So I guess we all just assumed he's a man. And they were brutally murdered um, with some force. Well- I mean, you say that, but again, someone who's going down a river, because you don't know where they mm-hmm. went in the river at, you don't know how long they were in it. And I mean, there's rocks, there's rapids, like there's all, there's trees, all kinds of things to get snagged on. That's why most of them were naked was because their clothes were pulled off in the river. I mean, you, so it's hard when someone gets thrown in a river, I think it's pretty hard to tell what was done to them pre-mortem versus what happened to them in the water careening down the river. Just my thoughts. So yeah, that's I was very confused. I didn't quite know how they died. If it was really like a a beating murder, because if it was beating, it was fucking highwayman for sure. But it wasn't clear, you know. Some were. The narrator mentions, or or the who who's the coroner that was doing some of the little, which I thought some of the coroner's descriptions of the girls were interesting. How they 
it was like poetic at moments yeah, and then and it then actually went into real detail yeah. about what actually happened to them, which I thought was yeah. cool. Um, she mentions that there's uh, one, I don't remember which one of the girls it was, but there was evidence of being dragged and ligature marks all over her body and dragged before. And then there was another one who had postmortem after like beatings after postmortem. So there's some of them had some brutal shit happen to them. And if the river did that, I didn't know rivers had ropes, but maybe, maybe it does. I don't know. Maybe. This river is clearly through a really shitty town. So maybe, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> maybe they got caught on something. I have no idea. So maybe could have been. She does. Clover does mention at one point, she was like, you know, Ark, why are you always so wet? Why is your mm-hmm. hair always so uh, yeah. wet? Mm-hmm. Why do you smell um, like the river? She was always by the river. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I always thought it was because she was looking for Daffy, but maybe that's not right either. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I thought so. that's what Say Janelle was hinting at when she said, I know your secret was mm-hmm. that she thinks she's Ooh. killing. So I did, I actually yeah. thought a couple times that it was Ark for sure. Could have yeah. been. Yeah. Um, we, some other people. So let's talk about Spider. Uh, horrible. <sighs> another hum, horrible human being in this book. Um, so he gets the the nickname Spider. Um, he's a, he's a cop who, um, is one of the Johns that visits, I guess, I don't know if it's Clover or Adeline the mom, but he visits one of the prostitutes at the home of Arcade and Daffodil. Um, and when, um, is it Arcade? That's who he rapes, right? Um, Daffy's Arcade, dead yeah, at Daffodil, Daffodil's Daffy's dead. Daffy's dead. Okay. Um, so Arcade, she's 10, 10 years old. And um, after this, John is with the mother. He goes and he, and he rapes um, arcade on a regular basis, actually. Um, I don't know if they, they kind of go into every time it happens, but it happens on a, a fairly regular basis. Um, she ends up nicknaming him spider because that's how she envisions him. He's like this shadow that creeps into her room and she sees all these arms and legs extending. Um, so that's how she really describes him throughout the book. Um, just another sad show of, of somebody in authority, just taking advantage of, of, you know, people being in this really bad situation. Um, and, and the spider, and I just pause real quick. I'm just going to throw out there for our listeners. We're going to talk for a second about child abuse and what, and, and the spider, and the spider was a pedophile. So there's going to be some talk about pedophilia for a second here. And like, just it, wanted to throw that out there. Um, it, it was very obvious that Ark was not the only child he was abusing. It was obvious that he, like he had a gold chain around his neck with strands of hair in it. Um, and we find later when Ark is older there, she runs across him at a grocery store and he's talking with a young girl and he literally takes hair from her and wraps it in his chain. And he's probably targeting her to be one of his next victims. So his chain wrapped in hair was from all of the victims that he was abusing. So this was a, a serial pedophile posing as a cop. He was an actual cop in this town overrun by drugs. And he used that as his sick, disgusting, twisted playground. The spider yeah. was my, well, obviously, duh, how could you not hate this man in the book? I mean, it was the mm-hmm. stuff he did. I mean, like bringing her McDonald's, like it was going to make up for what the hell he was doing to her. Um, let's talk about fucking Clover. Aunt Clover yeah. walks in yes. in the middle of, a, of an assault on Arcade. And he, number one, sees her, laughs, and keeps going. Literally yeah. in, in the act. And Clover, for a moment, has this, for a second, you think she's going to show up for Arcade in this really beautiful way and beat him off of her and get the guy out, you know, defend her. But she doesn't. She lets the spider scare her into leaving and he continues and, you know, Clover goes out and watches her freaking travel channel and she tries to, like, coach Arcade after that shit. It honestly just pissed me off the way she was trying to coach her after about, you're going to see the world differently now, you know, don't talk to your mama about it, she can't handle it, blah, blah, blah. So Clover is kind of like the arcade and the sisters, you know, arcade and Daffy. Arcade was the mature one who took care of Daffy and Clover is the one who was protective over Adeline. So she wouldn't let arcade talk to her. Um, 
But what I loved about Arcade, which I found not, I don't know if I loved it. Well, whatever. I loved it. I found very interesting about Arcade. She did not try to get help for herself from the spider. She only became enraged about the spider after Daffy, who, by the way, is Arcade in this because Daffy is dead. So Daffy, Mm -hmm. Arcade's second personality, tells her that she has also been visited by the spider. And that gives Arcade enough anger and rage to be like, fuck no, like, no, that's my sister. You can't. So Arcade had to develop this, that this was happening to Daffy in order to, to care enough to do something about it and try to get them help. And that's how they end up going to the gym, hanging out with the violin man, all that good stuff. They went to the gym every night because the moment that Daffy told her Arcade ran out of the house and they were going to go find some help and they run up to a police officer. And that's when they find out that the spider is a police officer um, because they thought they were going to tell him. And he was basically like, go home. I'll see you tonight. And Arcade yeah. was like, Sick. we can't go. We can't literally. And they, I think for months, the girls did not sleep at home. They left every single night and went and stayed at the YMCA gym where John was the the custodian. So he would let them sleep there. Um, and then they would go and show their face enough for Clover and Adeline to know they were still around, but they would literally stay at the YMCA as much as possible. And I just, mm-hmm. it was interesting that Ark didn't Take a love breath. herself. <laughs> Ark didn't love herself enough. <laughs> that was good. Just give me another wind. Um, Ark didn't love herself enough to do anything about it. She had to, she had to have it happen to Daffy in order to do something about it. And that's just, again, just fucking sad, super sad. All right, I'm done. That's it. Enough. That's about an interesting perspective, though, that you said about that. Um, I didn't think about it from that way. You know, that whole part did confuse me about why was it saying Daffy did it, you know? And to me, I felt like this was a catalyst in the girl's life. Like, this was the turning point. Did y'all feel that way, too? Like, this was it for them. Yes. Like, this was the start of their doom. Um, yes. Well, it was that it was. was the start for Arcade. It, it, you know, it was only Arcade right. in this. Yeah. And Arcade was right. alone in this, you know, fabricating her sister going through it. But, I mean, it was, yeah. yeah. I mean, Arcade's life. I mean, imagine. I mean, she's literally a 10-year-old girl against a pedophile cop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just one quick thing, Vanessa, and then I'll let you go. Um, after Aunt Clover's, you're going to hate the world now, so learn how to deal with it, pep talk. She gives her a piece of a fucking broken cereal box. <laughs> To keep, he's like, like keep this, hold keep on this to little this. piece for yourself. You're like, thanks, bitch. Like, my life is fucking ruined. I'm gonna keep this fucking box of tricks in my pillow. At she night. does keep it. She does, she does keep does it. Keep it though. And it's weird. I think she, she writes Thursday's name on it or something later. So maybe she it does. has some meaning. But yeah. I was just like, yeah. you know, God, these bitches are fucked up. Anyways, mm. Vanessa. <laughs> well, I just wanted to add to how you mentioned that it was the catalyst. Well, in the story, they when when you first kind of hear about the girls being on the streets and they bring on this new girl onto the streets and they have to like introduce her to like, well, how much does it cost? How do I know what to charge people? They talk about how all of the girls have had a spider or a cockroach or some sort of other monster that, that introduced them to this world that led them to where they are today, which is actually very, very, very tragic. If you think about it, Um, that means every single one of those, those women, those people on the streets that she came encountered with, had been abused by somebody in their life that led them to where they were in that moment. And so there can't be enough said about the fact that child abuse is a, is a horrific thing that really spirals people. And those that don't go that route are, it's just, it's, it's amazing if you can pull yourself out of that. So I just thought it was horrible. So it was, I I definitely saw it as the catalyst for where everybody went down the road. 
And um, it was also loved- interesting. Um, sorry, Sammy. Or was that Steffi? Sorry. Um, Ark actually does say at, I think maybe towards the end, when they're talking about the river man, she does say in some ways the river man is all the bad men in our life. So that goes to what you're saying, Vanessa, about, you know, everyone who's going down this path has got bad men in their life. And that's also mm-hmm. very, very sad. Yeah. This whole book. Damn <laughs> One thing I'll say about the spider, too, is this cop, unfortunately, is in these girls' lives the whole time they're growing up. So, mm-hmm. like, he never goes away. So, it's not like a spider that visits her when he's young. Like, he harasses her, like, right in her face, knowing he's not going to get caught, knowing he's not going to get in trouble the entire, you know, time she's growing up. And and the one part that still confuses the hell out of me is their whole interaction where he forces her in the car, sticks a hook in her finger, and it's got a cinder block mm-hmm. tied to or brick tied to it. Honestly, that whole... And maybe it's because I was driving, I got distracted. I don't know, but the whole exchange just seemed so strange to me. Like it was just a very strange interaction. I'm like, he's the guy. Like this is when he's going to kill her. Um, but they don't ever really close that loop around that whole that whole thing. There was a reason for why he did that. Okay, help me. Um, someone wrote an anonymous letter to the police department about um, telling them to look into his past, and so he just had automatically assumed it was her. And, you know, he takes her by the river, makes her bury some fake dog, um, and then, like, shoves, like, dirt and leaves in her mouth and says, bury it, bitch. Like, don't speak of it. Um, because someone did that. And it I don't, it never said who it really was, but. It was um, arcade. It was, it was arcade, yeah. I figured it, it was. It was arcade. The way, the way he said it to her and um, the way she described arcade's mannerisms, like, you could tell, I mean, arcade had written the letter. She's like, oh, really? Someone wrote a letter? Hmm, interesting, you know? And he was like, <laughs> okay, bitch. And then he, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was arcade. Um, so that's what I was going to say. Um, mm. Arcade is a strong person. She, she knew there really wasn't a whole lot she could do against the spider. She really couldn't. I mean, he was a police officer. Obviously, there was nothing she could do. She wasn't going to go into the police station and try to convince them that she, this 10-year-old girl, you know, I mean, it wasn't going to work. But she never stopped trying to expose him. Um, She jumped on his back in the grocery store when he was talking mm-hmm. to that little girl. I mean, she sent the little girl away and jumped on his back and was just, you know, like she just never stopped and she just kept fighting against him. And I just, I just love that arcade was so strong. And I just, you know, she, she did the best she could with the shitty life she'd been dealt for sure. The best she could. She did. All right, let's get pissed again. Let's talk about the highway man. All right. Are we going to hop to, I feel like I want to end with him. Let's talk about Welch real quick. Cause I feel like okay. highway man is going to take a minute. So let's talk about Welch real quick. Um, he doesn't play a big part until I, I guess later in the book, but he is, and they don't talk about him a ton in just certain parts he comes up, but he's the the maid, the hotel maid at the blue hour motel, which is where these girls are. They do their business at, they do their prostituting at. Um, there's all this speculation. He wears this glove only on one hand, like, you know, Michael Jackson style. Like there's all this speculation, like what's up with the hand? Like, is it the, take my strong hand? Like, is it a weird one? Like what's the, <laughs> what's the deal? Um, and it actually is just as weird as hell as you would expect it to be. Um, when he does finally take off his glove, he, it's very, he has a very dainty hand that's painted. Um, and it's his mom's hand. His, he's, you know, he's just like, I guess, arcade at this point, he's envisioning that it's his mother, a part of him, but with his hand, he talks to it. It talks in his ear. I could just imagine this happening. It's like talks in his ear. Um, like, hey mom. Yeah. Just totally. Total weirdo, but he does, he, but he also shows up at just these, these random times too. At one point he saves, um, 
uh, arcade from being attacked by John um, happens to be in the right place at the right time. Um, this whole time they think he's deaf and then he shows up to save her and voila, he can hear. So he's been listening this whole time. Um, just kind of this, this kind of weird character, I guess I'll say you don't, uh, you know, he honestly, he's a suspect too. Like what is his role in this whole thing? Um, besides just kind of randomly showing up in places. He goes to somebody's funeral, doesn't he? Whose funeral was he at? Was he at, um, say, or not Sage, but, um, the girl that the first girl they find. Oh, Harlow. Right? Oh, we didn't even talk about Harlow. Her. We didn't yeah. even talk about Harlow. About she her. wasn't. Yeah, she wasn't a character. But yeah, Harlow. she wasn't really part of it. But but they go to the funeral because they found her in the water. This is the first girl they find, and he is there as like this random. And they were like, "Why is he there? That doesn't make any sense." And we're like, "Well, why are we here? We don't know her either." But as soon as he sees them, he like dips out. Like I can't be here. But I just find it weird. He was he was always around in the most weirdest times or moments. You just didn't expect it. And the most weirdest part, he's a tear collector. Oh, yeah. Which who's, who made this up? Okay. <laughs> so it's like he's got these homemade videos. There's some of her strangers, but they're like little clips of the women crying. So it's like random old people's home videos. Um, some are some actresses in movies. And then some of are the, the heroine queen team um, crying. And they're just these little compilations of women crying and so you think it's really weird, but then he has a, a kind of a cute little thing to say at the end where he says, you know, all these women are so often brushed off and neglected. So I'm, it's his way of like saying, I see you, I see you hurting and crying and feeling emotion. So I thought that was kind of sweet from the creepy guy with the fucking red fingernails and his mom's bracelet and shit. It was weird, but kind of cute. So I'll allow it. That's when I didn't find him to be a suspect anymore. Right. Because so I that, felt like yeah. the person who killed the women didn't see the women for who they were. But you, there was the scene at the river where he scared Arcade. Where he scared mm. her and she she ran away from him. She ran away from fear thinking he was going to snap. He was basically being like, you know, he was saying enough weird stuff down at the river that it scared Arcade. Again, I wish I had the damn passages, but... Um, it, she ran from him through the woods, left him there. She had driven him to the river and then she left him, got in her car and ran away and drove away. Um, so there was something about him that made her uncomfortable. It was after she had watched the tear collector videos, I think. Yeah. Um, she popped off on him too. Yeah, she did. Mm -hmm. She was like, what are you, he was like, are you afraid of me? He's like, my mother wouldn't want me to hurt you. One of those creeps. One of those yeah, like psycho, weird. like from psycho when he's obsessed with his mom. Yeah. So in the real stories of the Chillicothe, a lot of people thought that there was a serial killer that was doing it. And it was something because there was a lot of killings in surrounding states. One thing I thought interesting about this guy that, that Tiffany did a good job of is Welt had collected these tear collection videos from multiple mm -hmm. states that he traveled to. And they were labeled with the states that he came through. So I always felt like maybe he was like the persona of the serial killer identity that maybe had been responsible for some of the killings. Mm -hmm. So I just I thought she did a really good job with her research of each of these characters played some crazy role in the true suspects involved in the killings of the Chillicothe Six. Mm -hmm. And he only choked them with his mom's hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or no, he chokes him with them and then like mom's over in his ear telling him it's not, you know, maybe she's like coaching <laughs> the girls through it. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Sick people. Something weird. Um, Speaking of sick people, we have got to get to Highwayman, and I saved him as the best for last because he is literally like I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know. So let's just get into his description. He's he's in his forties. He's a tattoo artist, um, pale skin. Uh, think of it. I, honestly, what I thought about was like, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, 
skinhead, I guess, you know, shaved head, like Mm. tattoos all over. Like, that's what I thought, like kind of Nazi stuff is what I was thinking when I was thinking, envisioning him. Um, Wear high laced boots, shit kicking boots. Let me be specific. Um, Wore camo uh, pants. Um, He had a tattoo across his chest that said dipped in evil. Um, Red block tattoos on his arms, hands and feet. Um, he had some torture episodes, which which I'll let other people talk about some too. He had the frozen snakes, which was weird as hell. Um, the paint scraper brush on Thursday's feet. We'll dig into each mm. of these. The, the the when he beat the shit out of a uh, was it arcade or was it Daffy? It was arcade. It's arcade. It was arcade. arcade. It was Daffy. When he beat the shit out of Daffy, um, basically put a picture on her face like Super Saiyan Janelle. That's who he was wanting to beat up and, and kicked her ass. Um, but the frozen snakes, I'll just start with the frozen snakes. Um, there was this weird saying around the, the blue hour around the prostitute girls that if you found a snake and took it to the highway, man, he would give you a free tattoo. Um, was that what he, was it the free tattoo? Is that what he would give them? Okay. Mm-hmm. He would give them the free tattoo. Yeah. Um, so, um, one time, um, I forgot who say Janelle, maybe she or say Thursday, Janelle. one of them say Janelle got a, um, a snake. So they went to go visit the highway man. Um, he ended up taking, uh, arcade to the back with the snake. I mean, that's when you realize what he does with these snakes, which is friggin' weird. Um, he takes them still alive and I imagine him putting them on like a mini clipboard. I don't know why I was imagining like a mini clipboard, but something that clips on each end and he would stretch out the snake and he would clip the head, he clipped the tail and he put him in the freezer still alive. I don't even know how long it takes to freeze something that's still alive, just sick. And then he would take it outside and bash them on the the pavement and, and let other people watch. Like it was a sick joy and enjoyment to, to do this. Um, that's just one of the sick things that, that he did. Um, also, I know we talked about the paint scraper brush on Thursday's feet. Who wants to talk about that one? That Let's was horrible. Talk about it. Yeah. yeah. That whole experience. Yeah. Anybody got a hankering to go into the details? So, so he shows up at Thursday's trailer looking for, uh, he thinks that Thursday has, so, so the highway man, real quick, he is the drug dealer in the area that he's the drug dealer. Um, and Aunt Clover always told him, don't fuck with drug dealers, you know? And so he shows up at Thursday's house because he thinks that Thursday has stolen from him. And to punish her, he takes a paint scraper brush to her feet, like a wire brush and just starts going to town on her feet. And Arcade and Daffy are there. And Arcade stop, tries to intervene. Arcade routinely intervenes in things happening. She tried to stop him from hurting the snakes. He punched the shit out of her. Um, she did end up going out and releasing snakes after. And they were still alive, the most recent one. Um, but when he starts punching Thursday, or when he starts scraping her feet, you know, Arcade tries to intervene and gets her ass handed to her by the highwayman in that moment. I mean, and... And there, uh, Arcade's talking about how she's like, as she's coming in out of consciousness, she can just hear Thursday's screams and all of the blood on her feet and blood dripping on the floor from him just taking this paint scraper wire brush and just skinning her feet, just layers and layers and layers. Um, the kind of cruelty that takes to do that to a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he he called, I think he, he, was it him or Arcade who said the snakes were women? Um, that's what he was, the snakes were women to him and he enjoyed freezing them and then shattering them into a million pieces. That's, that's what he did. He liked to throw them on the ground, watch them shatter and their little pieces went everywhere. And that's what he did with women. And so he just, he enjoyed the, the abuse. So obviously you think, well, duh, he's the one killing them. Right. Like, but I don't, I actually don't think the highway man was the river man. I don't think he would have hid what he was doing and been secretive about it. Um, I think he would have bragged. I think he would have been like, yeah, I killed her. You know, she was fucking ripping me off. Like, I don't think he would have hit it. So um, 
Vanessa's your face tells me you think very differently that perhaps maybe he you're muted you're muted only sorry I have a kid doing dishes and they're loud as shit um so only when they're the the what do they call him the coroner is telling description of the girls he mentions or they mention one of the the um, girls had like kick marks or boot marks Ooh. all over them or a mark from a big heavy boot and that was the only time I actually thought maybe highwaymen actually I actually my notes actually say I I thought there were multiple killers throughout yes. the story I don't think the girls were ever killed by one individual person I felt like several of the characters were murderers and all of the girls were killed by a different person um but I do think highwayman was responsible for it I actually I'm on the fence of whether or not he was responsible for arcades I think Arcade was either him or the creepy guy in the van, which we don't That's even have I on think, our list. Yeah. I thought the creepy so, guy in the van. So um, I think each of the girls were killed by a different character, and he was responsible for one of them, in my mind. How about the sensitive side of the highwayman, though? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, he, um, so he ended up telling Ark the story of how he grew up um, and became a tattoo artist. He was poor and they lived in a trailer and his mom used to um, use a black marker and paint piano keys on her arm and would teach him how to play the piano on her arm. And she did that because she was proving to everybody, like, just because we live in a trailer, you know, you expect us to be some trashy family, but actually I'm in here teaching my sons how to play the piano. Um, So he got into tattoos specifically saying because his mother showed them you can draw on your flesh and it can actually mean something. So I thought that was a sensitive little side to the highwayman. And typically if men love their mothers, they don't usually abuse women. So it's kind of Mm -hmm. like what's really going on with this guy. Um, And also while I'm speaking, can I just say that his description description sounded kind of hot a little, a little. (laughs) Samantha just described him as a, like a, a skinhead, what the shade? The skinhead guys, yes. and you. you but that's think not he's what not? I. That's not what I envisioned. Um, oh, his so, yeah. pockmarked face didn't. Uh, yeah, something for you? that didn't throw no, you off. No, I don't know. Just something. Maybe it was it's just because the who she envisioned the tattoos. In we already know what it is. We'll hear. We'll character? hear who she picked. Oh, I can't wait to hear. Okay, um, all right. We'll get. We'll get. I think it was just the tattoos. That was literally. Let Let's talk about the the. The infamous taping a picture on Daffy's face. Because that's interesting. It was a whole so, so scene. The story, yeah. And the, the story was that Daffy came home to Arcade beaten up and told her that the highwayman had taped a picture of Sage Nell's face to her face, taped it on there really tight, and then just beat the shit out of her because he couldn't find Sage Nell, who had stolen from him. Who also died, you know. So there's this you know story about you know stealing from him and get you killed. Um, but he beats up Daffy, who it, it just it had to be Ark. But it was so interesting to me that they never talked about that again. No one, no one mentioned Ark's face being beaten up. Nobody like nobody talked about it. It was just like this thing that happened to Daffy, but Daffy was Ark. So it was just that was one of those unanswered things I had of like, but what was that? I don't know. So there's a part, This that was what I was saying, was that was the only character I ever found yeah. had any legitimate interaction with Daffy. Because there's, when they first meet Highwayman, they even talk about how he, like, lifts her up by underneath her arms and, like, shakes her around. Yes. And it's to Daffy, or to Daffy, which is another weird moment. So unless he's doing that to Ark, 
it just didn't make sense. So either Highwayman sees Daffy or there's something. I mean, I don't know. I just felt like that was the only weird piece that didn't make sense when I had the inclination that Daffy wasn't there. So that was one of my unanswered questions as well is who really beat up who in yeah, that story. Yeah. And, and who is he? So was he picking up? arcade and she just mm-hmm. needed because she was scared so she made it daffy it was happening to instead of her yeah. maybe you know which goes into the disassociative identity disorder which we will speak about in a little bit here which we can see we can speak about now unless anyone has any other anything else about the highway man what was his real name anybody Did we never know just highway man i don't know he ended up in prison at the end did y'all catch that at the end yes. of the book he was in prison but they never said for what, so there's that. I assume oh, yeah. drugs. I think that they said that he was probably in prison between, you know, Ohio or Texas, and he was busy playing the piano on his arm. Like his mom showed him, is what they said he was probably in there doing. Which I thought was hmm, sweet for a psycho. No, he scraped the girl's feet. Yeah. 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 It's just, it was just Tiffany's writing of being like, you know, even, even through the disgustingness, these are still humans. So, you know, yes, he had that soft, sensitive side, but he also, can't forget, took a wire brush to someone's feet. So, you know, bottoms of her feet. I don't know if I mentioned that. Bottoms of the feet where you're real tender and, and soft. Unless I can't mean. even get a pedicure. <laughs> I can't even get a pedicure without freaking out. And here goes somebody getting their foot freaking scraped off. I can't even imagine what that must have felt like. And then she was like walking like it was nothing later. I don't know if you guys remember that too, but she was like, I don't remember where she was, but she was just walking around like it was not a big thing. Like she didn't just have her feet freaking gnawed well, off her body. Well, heroin. Heroin will do that. Is, a, <laughs> is an amazing bitch. Um, I, one of my unanswered questions was how did Ark get home from when Thursday's feet were being scraped and she tried to intervene? Daffy drug her out and drove her home. Is it just arcade? Just, you know, finding the power to drive herself home? You know, she was Mm -hmm. in and out of consciousness, according to arcade. She was, she was, she was unconscious and woke up at home, but she drove herself there. It's just interesting. It's, it's wild. And this is going to be super dumb. You guys are going to be like, what the the hell? But I remember this time, because you know, the big thing with Daffodil Poet is that she would write poems all over this this old truck they had. I think it was an old truck, wasn't it? So I could just imagine like this beat up truck with black you know, marker all over it. And there was this one time where they talk about that Ark is driving and Daphne's in the car and Daphne's riding on the steering wheel. And I just remember trying to imagine how she's doing that in the passenger seat while Ark is driving. And it just blew my mind. So maybe that was when I should have known that Daphne wasn't real. <laughs> No, I, I imagine that as a bench seat and that Daffy was like leaning across, you know, the bench seat, you can okay. just like slide over next to your person. I, I could visualize that. And I actually enjoyed visualizing, like resting her head on her shoulder and just drawing on the steering wheel while she's driving, putting the lipstick on her while she's driving. Like Daffy was always just doing weird shit. She was just a little like fairy in, in Ark's brain who just was like there, you know, breathing mm-hmm. in the outside air, sticking her head out the window, having her hand out. You know, she just, she did the free spirited stuff. She was the free spirit inside of Arcade. You're muted, Vanessa, for the love of God. I'm sorry. <laughs> Clover at one point even tells Arcade to stop riding on the truck. Do you guys not remember that? Fuck it was when not. Sage came to the house and they were, and she saw the picture and they were getting, and she says, for the love of God, quit riding all over the damn truck or something like that. Um, and in that moment is when I also realized it was not Daffy. So Daffy was, was not there at that 
Mm-mm. interaction. She was allegedly Mm-mm. not there. Okay. Interesting. Mm-mm. I'm going to go back and read that and, specifically. Um, um, when Welt and Arcade, this is towards the end of the book, when they go, she takes some fishing at the river when she's not scared, I guess, at this point. Um, and he's saying, oh, Daffy wrote all these poems in the truck. And he said, Daffy, like he was talking to her in, in a manner. And um, he had said he had a bad half of him too, like a bad half of him as a person. Ooh. And so that kind of implied he knew about Daffy. And then he said to her, it might last forever. And she was like, what are you mm-hmm. talking about? And he was like, your sorrow. So I felt like he also knew what was up with that, which was interesting. Um, you guys can stop me if this isn't a good time, but when Arcade is looking for Daffy, is now a good time or no? Looking for her at the end. So I have so, so many questions. I have so many questions. So first, one of my big unanswered questions is, how the fuck did she end up in the field by Mamaw Milkweed's right. house? It went from being she with Pisser. It was from being Pisser with Pisser John. John. Yeah. She was with Pisser John. She was actively with a John. He was in the bathroom. Maybe she was shooting up, and she next thing she knows, she wakes up in a field with the horse who accompanies her through the last part of the her little fictional horse. Um, but she wakes up in this field naked, no vehicle, and no idea how she got there. How did she get to that field, Bueller? I think this is where we say again, heroin is a hell of a bitch. And so she walks it just happens. And also, yeah, walk um, I don't know. You know, during this whole time, she said, I keep feeling myself getting pushed through the keyhole. And keyholes during this book is let me go back to my note I had. It's the term that means um hold on. Find it. Okay. It's the pain they feel in the absence of the heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a metaphor for when they used to stick their finger in the keyhole of their mom's room. So I also felt like at this point in the book, something happened. We don't know what, but she was going through like a mini detox is what I kind of mm-hmm. gathered. Um, you know, she was sick as fuck. She wasn't feeling good. Um, so did Pisser John drug her and then leave her out? And then she was detoxing because she had been there for a hot minute. Um, that's just kind of what I had thought happened. Yeah, she was like um, clearly in withdrawal at the house. Yeah. Um, yeah. But mm-hmm. so after that, when she goes when she goes back to the blue hour, I think she finds the truck with the key left under the mat, which was how her and Daffy would leave the vehicle for the other person. And she starts yelling for Daffy. She's running around the blue hour looking for her. Welt sees her yelling for Daffy. And she and Daffy uh, and Arcade is stopped by a John who's like, hey, I'm looking for your sister. Where, you know, where's Daffy? And he's talking oh, yeah. to her like, you know, uh, he was and Arcade was like, oh, it's one of Daffy's Johns. He loved to watch her dance, blah, blah, blah. It was Arcade the whole time. She would put on a different persona for Johns, including the very first time that they went to the Blue Hour to prostitute themselves. And, Ar- and Daffy said, I'll go Arc so you don't have to. And she went with with the John first. So um, part of that disassociative identity disorder, which I believe Arcade had, where she just would able, she would just tap into this alter ego, which was Daffy, to do the really hard stuff in life. Uh, Daffy introduced Arcade to drugs. That was Arcade introducing herself to drugs, but she pinned it on Daffy and put it as, well, I've got to stay with Daffy, so that's why I do drugs too. You know, I've got to do this with her because she's my sister and kind of pins and let's like Daffy do all, like have all the hard shit in life. Um, which I found very interesting. Very interesting. And she was so insistent that that John had done did something to Daffy. So um, 
I, I'm not really, you know, I don't have all the associative disorder notes that you do, but you know, maybe that's a part of it. She's like, you know, we've got to figure out what happened to her. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not important, but Daffy is. So like figure it out. And she was just so insistent about it. I thought that part was weird. I was like, you know, why is she insisting that he did something? She's not even fucking alive. So I thought that was kind of weird too. Yeah. I think, I think that's part of the disorder. Like just, it was like a break. She was in a, she was in a break at that point where she was, you know, obviously not able to like remember that Daffy wasn't real. She really thought something had happened to Daffy, you know? Um, I, I thought during the end when she was looking for Daffy that she truly was like for a moment, not remembering that Daffy was dead, that she really did think Daffy had been taken by the river man. I think she was just in a mental break. Well, yeah. And like, um, she did kind of lose her mind at the end. I, I felt like, mm-hmm. um, when she started seeing the horses and stuff and weren't the horses mm-hmm. a metaphor for like the afterlife. So I also thought that she thought she already knew her life was coming to an end. Cause she was always kind of intuitive. She had the dreams when her dad died. Um, so this was me thinking she knew she was about to die or something was coming for her. And that's what the horse deal was about. Interesting. Well, the horse too, remember they were, they were trying to find arcade was always digging for the thing her mother right, lost, which yeah. was a horse, which was an earring. I don't know why that was so important. I never, I never knew why that earring was so important. Because well, the last day her mom wore that was the last good day they had. She lost it oh. on the way home in the dirt. Yeah. Um, she thought that if she found the earring, her mom would go back to her. Yeah. Oh my God. Or go back to herself. Well, and didn't the dad have some metaphor about horses too? Isn't that he where did. it all came yeah. from? Yeah. He said the smoke from the paper mill, Chilla Coffee has a paper mill and it makes the whole town smell like Veldosta, which anybody in Georgia Parts. who's driven down to Florida knows what that is. Vanessa, dear God, you're like, so Sean, your, your son's at college there. I smell um, it all the time. Yeah. Probably comes home on his clothes. Um, but so the paper mill, the smoke from the paper mill was horses galloping in the dust they were kicking up. Again, just the fantastical shit that the people in their lives would tell them that they would cling to. I don't, it just. I also think that's part of the heritage thing, the Native American mm. heritage concept thrown into the mix. So I still, again, that's another one of the things that I think that she's mixed into the story that I thought was interesting and a nice twist. Okay. Well, thank you for explaining the horses in the afterlife because that one blew by me. What was up with the fucking horse galloping next to her for the last 45 minutes of the book? Well, yeah. And when the horse would help her like fight when she needed to fight, it would kind of like, it was like her. She could hear it rear up. Yeah. She would hear its hooves come pounding in and it would rear up and she would know it was time to hit the guy, you know, and she, that's when she was swinging on John and swinging on the highwayman. Like she was, you know, the the horses with her through all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and um and I know we briefly touched on whatever she was in the woods, and then she goes through and she finds a house that that she ends up going to, or she ends up stumbling across a, a little girl and her mom. Um, I really wanted, and again, this is me not fully grasping that in chapter one, Ark was dead. Let me just be real; I didn't realize that till later in the book too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking that that family was going to save her. I was still having hope that I'm like, no, they don't go down Aww. this path of dying and going. So I was like, yes. Cause then when she found the, the curtains, cause she goes back to her old house, she finds the curtains that had the initials on. And I just had this hope that like, oh yes, this mom is going to take her in and she's going to change everything for them. And that, that didn't happen for the poor girl. Um, but yeah, I had so many hopes for them. There was moments of this brightness in their, in their lives, but they just always kept getting sucked back into just something horrible. You know, even the, I had a, the sorry, Vanessa, but, um, sorry, I was talking first. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Sorry, but I'm going to keep say, going. <laughs> well, I mean, I was keep going, but even the little cat that they brought home. Oh my God, the cat. They had the best yeah. intentions and it reminded me of like her poor mother. Like they did the same thing to the cat that her mother did to them. It's like even that tiny little tidbit of the story was just so sad to me. You know, they, they wanted to care for it. They, they wanted the best for it. And in the end, the addiction, t- you know, took over and the cat had a horrific life because of them. And um, I thought it funny when Addie called the cat a lion whore. (laughs) (laughs) I chuckled it out loud. Because she was always pregnant to being unspayed and roaming. Yeah. Yeah. And she had like a cesspooled eye and just like, yeah. And she was, you know, angry at the world because, you know, she got tore up out there by, you know, feral wild animal cats. So, I mean, yeah, they lived the same life. And that was just real sad to me, too. The cat dies in the end, too. The cat dies. Like, yeah. When when Ark dies, she talks about how her guy, she was like, um, you know, I even thought that they would keep the cat for safe. And he actually goes and like goes into the truck and gets the cat and destroys it. Yeah. Oh, she she right. says, I, I don't I don't think I have to tell you what he did to the cat, you know, implying yeah. that the cat died as well. Um, yeah. Just, and she says, that I sometimes I get to see the cat when she wants me to, but. Yeah, it's, uh, I just have chills. The Jesus. Whole, everything, I keep getting chills when you talk about it because the book was so heavy. But mm-hmm. mm. Well, I had a question that I – it was an unanswered one because I, I – maybe I don't know the concept just like Rose didn't with the horses. But why did they hang clothes from the windows when somebody died? What was that about? Does anybody know why mom hung dad's clothes all over the damn house? I think it was to show them that a man still lived there. That makes no sense. Like anyone that, that's just a hot that's what the heroine, window. That's what her heroine yeah. was making her say, but that makes no sense. That's what she. That's why she yeah. says she did it. She did it so that no one would know no man lived there. And so she hung it up the clothes a, in the window. But it doesn't make any it was, sense. It was to keep the wind out, Ark. That's what it's for. Let's oh, go, let's go oh, ask God. mom and see if mom will whisper it to us so we can keep it. Like it was that, <laughs> all of that was so sad. <laughs> did you want to talk about your associative disorder? Oh yeah, disassociative. So as I was I was oh, writing sorry, my little notes and I was and I was talking, I was my notes were let me actually read them. I was saying Ark's perception of Daffy was that she was selfish. She made Daffy selfish. She made her make foolish decisions like becoming addicted to drugs while she was um Daffy was a swimmer, Arcade was a digger. That that was as they were children, that was what they did. Daffy loved the water. And so after Daffy died and Ark assumed her personality and they started going to the YMCA, Arcade joined the swim team there and was a really good swimmer. She had scholarships. She was going to go to college. Like she was going to like make something and get out of Chillicothe. And that's when she started doing heroin. So, uh, but she was impersonating Daffy. Like Daffy was going to get out. Daffy had the scholarship. Daffy was a swimmer. And then Daffy started doing drugs. Um, and Arcade just gave Daffy this like selfish personality where Daffy was taking Ark down with her. Um, and, and because I didn't know that Daffy was dead, I thought that Daffy was a selfish sister throughout this whole story. Um, that I thought that Arcade would have been better off without her, that she was dragging her down, all of that stuff. Um, but it was just Ark fabricating this personality for Daffy. And so then I was like, okay, so when I did reread it, I was noticing in conversations, Ark would switch back and forth between herself and Daffy. She would say, like, people would talk, would ask a question, and Daffy would say it maybe quieter. And then Arcade would say something louder, but like Daffy would talk first, and then Arcade would back her up. And I was like, ooh, okay, does she have like split personalities? And then I was like, no, I don't think it's split personalities. And as I was Googling it, 
I found disassociative identity disorder. Um, and I'm going to read a little bit from psychiatry.org. Obviously, I'm not a mental health professional. I'm not a psychiatrist. I Googled this, but it was fitting for the story. Disassociative identity disorder is associated with overwhelming experiences, traumatic events, and or abuse that occurred in childhood. Disassociative identity disorder was previously referred to as multiple personality disorder. Symptoms of disassociative identity disorder include the existence of two or more distinct identities or personality states. The distinct identities are accompanied by changes in behavior, memory, and thinking. The signs and symptoms may be observed by others or reported by the individual. Ongoing gaps in memory about everyday events, personal information, and or past traumatic events, and the symptoms cause significant distress or problems in social, occupational, or other areas of functioning. So yeah, ARCAD disassociative identity disorder, for sure, right? Yeah, 100%. And Weld, right? Did Weld have it too? (laughs) Apparently. Weld had something. (laughs) Yeah, when you had mentioned that... um, I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably what Walt has, especially when he said he referred to himself as a bad side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say they probably both did. What was y'all's perception of Daffy? So, Vanessa, you can't answer this because you know that she, you know, you were suspicious. But you guys, what like Samantha, Roseanne, what did you think of Daffy's personality and the way she was with Ark? Like, did you think she was selfish like I did? Um, Honestly, I did. I thought I thought she was selfish. I thought that she was like the... Um, the weak one, I guess, you know, the one who would, who would, you know, go back to the drugs and things like that. I was really pissed whenever she was a swimmer and she got that far and she had this, this swim coach that was so proud of her and was pushing her. And then she ends up, you know, getting back into drugs. I was super pissed at at Daffodil or Daffodil for that, you know, and then thinking that arcade, you know, again, trying to rescue Daffodil and saying, okay, let me help Daffodil. I'm going to get high too, thinking she was dragging her down. So you're right. I thought of her as selfish, um, weak, all those things until I realized that she, actually died when she was nine. Yeah, I um I always got the vibe that Ark was, you know, the more responsible one. And, you know, when she saved half of her happy meal for Daffy, and then when she finds out later in the book she got a Daffy got a happy meal too. And she didn't save any. And Ark is like, Well, you didn't save any for me. Like what if I hadn't eaten that day? And Daffy legit said, I didn't think about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but then there was also a part at the end too, where Daffy does say to Ark, you know, everyone always called you Ark with a C, but I called you Ark with a K because you were my Ark that saved me from drowning. And then there was that whole scene later in the book mm-hmm. too, where she tries to make Ark, Daffy tries to make Ark drown her in air quotes to let her go so she can move forward with her life. Um, so yeah, I did. I did get the vibe that Ark made Daffy the weak little bitch. To me, that scene where Daffodil goes into the river and Arcade saves her, and she's like, you know, to me, that was the start of Arcade's mental break because yeah. she was trying to distance herself from Daffy, but like the the trauma in her wouldn't let her. So she was like going back and forth. That's probably why she blacked out and doesn't remember from how she got to the field. Probably why there's a big gap in her memory. Like I think she was probably in a disassociative break. Um, hmm. Interesting. That is probably 100% correct. Because none of that part made sense much. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, while we're talking about the Happy Meal thing, um, Daffy talked about her sister. I mean, sorry. Ark talked about her sister with the cop. 
Um, did you guys catch on to that? Because he said um, <gasps> the room next. Yes, yeah. is that your sister's room next door? So he knew at some point that she had a sister. So really, the only people in the whole book Ark talked about her sister with were sick fuck number one, the cop, um, Sage Nell, and then I guess Welp at the John. end. Oh, John. Man. Yeah. John at the end. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was interesting, too. She did talk about her sister with, with him. So two, two so. things. One, it's reminding me of when the spider is first introduced into the story and he goes out into the living room and he sits down on the couch next to Ark and Daffodil. Ark is, Daffodil's Daffodil on the arm of the couch, Ark sitting in the center, and he sits down next to her. And that's when he, he starts to see like how far he can kind of get away. Like, is she going to listen? Is she going to say something if I put my hand on her leg? Like he's kind of testing the waters in his sick pedophilic way. But it was interesting. I, I didn't, looking back, now that he was just sitting there talking with just Arcade, it make you know, because he was like, oh, you're a good girl. You listen, you know, and he was only talking to Arcade. So it was, it was interesting. I didn't pick up on it until now looking back that he never mentioned Daffodil in that moment. He only was touching and talking to Arcade there on the couch. It was interesting. Hmm. And the second thing, don't forget it, Stephanie. Don't do it. Hang on. I'm going to have forgotten it. No. No. Is this your other personality here? While she's yeah. finding that, you guys think about, did you have any more things you picked up on to hint that Daffy was dead? I've got a few more. If you guys don't have any more little tidbits, but I'll wait till Stephanie finds herself. I've forgotten and I didn't have anything. Um, Correct. Okay. How about the time when um, they get Daffy gets on the swim team. She goes home to get her mom to sign that piece of paper. And her mom says, you're half of the same dead fish. There's that little tidbit. Do you want me to go through all these or you guys don't care? No, I I, I genuinely do because I didn't pick up on a single fucking thing. So I genuinely want to hear. Anytime I saw it, I was like, ooh, yeah, she's dead. (laughs) Um, after the twins move back home, after they relapsed and her mom does the, where's my blue eyed girl thing. And so Ark does it. And her mom says, without Daffy, you're half of something that doesn't exist anymore. So there was that little tidbit. And I think that was all the little things I picked up on listening back where there was hints that she doesn't live anymore. But, you know, of course you're going to write all those off because her mom's a junkie whore and no one cares what she's rambling about. In all mm-hmm. honesty, I felt like um, Tiffany did a really good job of hiding the fact that Daffy mm-hmm. was not present. Um, yeah. And the only reason I was even aware of it was because I think I was anticipating something like that happening. So I was very like, I was trying to find mm-hmm. the ending because that's just what the fuck I do. Um, that's the only reason I even noticed it or picked up on it from the from the get-go. Otherwise, I don't think I would have been aware of it in that context. So, I mean, she did a very good job of keeping it hidden, of making Daffy a big part of the story, regardless of whether she was present or not. Um, so, I mean, I, sh- I mean, the story is very well written, extremely well written. And I'm interested in her other books. Did we even talk about on the savage side that meaning what that means we didn't even describe that did we um i'm gonna have stephanie's hippie ass describe it because she's a crocheter i am a crocheter so this came from mamaw milkweed and if i don't do this well enough y'all jump in um but 
Mama Milkweed was a crocheter and she would have the girls make afghans with her and do the squares. And when you finish a blanket, um, when you crochet something, any anything really, but we'll say a blanket. So when you when you crochet a blanket, you have to use several skeins of yarn. So when you do that, you have to like, um, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but you basically are you're attaching the different strings of yarn together to keep going with the next skein. When you run out of yarn and you bring in the next one, you have to kind of tie them together so you can start the next skein. And by doing that, you leave a bunch of strings hanging all throughout your project until the end, whenever you ideally would weave them back up into the crochet. So whichever side of the project you're looking at, you don't see any strings hanging down. And that's what she used to describe um, the savage side. So the beautiful side of life was all the things that made you happy, all the things you loved, um, you know, all the things that that just made you happy and were, were good in your life. And the savage side was all the bad stuff. I think they said, you know, daddy ODing was one of the things on the savage side. I mean, I'm the Their whole entire was life. the savage side. Everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the spoons were on the savage side they used for the heroin. So, and, and what Mama Milky was saying was to take the, the strings of, from the, from the ugly side and weave it up into the beautiful and turn it beautiful again. So to just not let the savage side, to not live in the savage side, to, to fold it up into the beautiful. And anytime something traumatic happened to the girls as they aged, well, the girl, Daffy would tell Ark, turn it beautiful, tuck up the strings in the savage side, turn it to the beautiful side. And so it was kind of their way of trying to uh, work through the really awful things happening in their life was to, um, which I don't agree with. I, I don't agree with tucking the savage side up. I think you have to deal with it. And to me, the I don't know, maybe I'm misinterpreting it, but to me it was kind of like, now tuck it away and, you know, and just look at the beautiful stuff, but bad stuff was happening to them and they, they needed to deal with it and they didn't. So I don't agree with tucking up the savage side into the beautiful. Man, I think you're right on that part. Yeah. I think you're right on the context of what it meant. Um, but I do want to say that it was Ark who, every time Daffy said that Ark would come up with like a story, she would twist mm-hmm. what that, horrible thing was and convert it into a different story in their head so that they would remember it differently. So she would turn that savage, horrible incident into just a story about like something beautiful, like their dad coming and bringing flowers or something to their mom versus, you know, it being a John who came in and like abused and beat their mother instead. Um, So she did a, she made it a little bit odd to have to hear these these stories these girls came up with to like trick their brain into thinking of something else. Well, yeah, but if you think about when Mama taught them about the beautiful side and the savage side, they were nine children. Um, yeah. And they were already living a hellacious life that I know I haven't seen the stuff that they've seen. Um, so, it, it, you know, while it isn't right to necessarily have them turn the old way, but when you're nine and going through that, that, that is what you should try and help a kid do is just see the beautiful side. Like not necessarily that everything the mom is doing is beautiful, but that's what Mama Milkway was trying to do, but whether or not it's what they should have done throughout their entire life. But at nine years old, she was trying to help them see something beautiful in the, you know, horrible shitty life that they've been dealt. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's true. I get, it. she worked with what she had, Mama Milkway. Did y'all have any unanswered questions or any plot holes you want to talk about? Um, yes. Who who the fuck did it? Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> huge plot hole. <laughs> I don't think we're going to have an answer to that. I think it's whatever you feel like you're interpreting it to. I'm kind of digging Vanessa's story since the girls were all kind of murdered differently that maybe they were killed by different people. I kind of like that one. Although I do feel like the cop is totally responsible for, I was going to say, Ark, for sure. 
because she was the one who could, you know, squeal like a pig on him. So he put an end to her. Um, I, I so think it was the creep in the van. I don't think it was the guy. Ness, Ness. Talk guy. About oh, yeah, we need to talk van. about him. Talk yeah, about him for a little bit. The Let's creep in the van. Okay, so he was this guy who was actually a John for Daffy. Mm-mm. Who um, he was for Ark. Yeah, he was. He he picked up Ark. The whole thing was with Ark. She was in the van with him, like it was Ark the whole time. She called him Pisser John. It wasn't Pisser John. Oh, it's a I different don't John. Then. Somebody else totally took it different because yeah, I it thought was. it was a different John. It was not Pisser John. Pisser John. I'm yes, willing to fist fight over this. It was not Pisser John. So Ark, this guy, the creepy guy in the van, she never actually oh, engaged in John. sex with him, right? Yes. Uh huh. See, I'm right. Um, Wrong note. Yeah, no, so the, the creepy in the van was a John who picked her up. He was taking her to the blue hour. He took her into the room. That's the John that Welt saved Ark from. Right. He was getting violent with her. I don't remember all of the details, but he was getting violent with her and she got away. But he, he tried pretty to drown much, her. He pretty, oh, he there we go. He tried, he tried to drown her. But he pretty much said, you know, he was like, uh, he would he would kind of show up in random places and blare music. It was like, a, what was it? What was the song he played? One way, or I'm gonna another. get you. No, another. I'm gonna find you. I'm gonna get you. Get you. Get you. Yeah. So he would play that pl- loud from his van at random times. Like she would just see him in a parking lot, and he'd be blaring the music, you know, watching her. So I, I, I was thinking um, that the women were all killed in kind of by different people. Maybe some were killed by the same one, but I was under the impression in my head that Ark was killed by that guy because he kept saying, "I'm gonna find you. I'm gonna get you." And he was literally she would he would show up everywhere. Um, so I'm under the impression that he did in fact finally get her. That's what I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about those mystery phone calls mm. that uh, Thursday was getting? Remember, um, she would say, "I keep getting these crazy phone calls," and Ark listened to it. She's like, "You hear that static?" She's like, "That's not the static. That's the river." So she was getting creepy phone calls before she disappeared. That was Thursday. I do remember that. Oh, Could and then the violin man. I still think he's a killer. You do. And then um, remember when the girls left rehab and moved to that efficiency, and Daffy start Daffy started saying at the end, "I feel like somebody's following us," and she was getting like all creeped mm-hmm. out and stuff. I again thought that was the cop, like keeping an eye on them, because he just knew. Ark was going to say something about him and get him in trouble. Hmm. So, um, Roseanne, you think really the cop is the ones. killer? Like, the Maybe killer? not for all of them, but I feel like he's the one for Ark for sure. Um, and then, oh, um, Violet. Remember she said at the end she had a whole um, – she had some drugs. That's how she relapsed because somebody gave her some drugs to hold to show trust and he was going to help her get grassy back. That was the cop. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, we didn't find out it was the cop though, till the end that gave her those drugs. So maybe he had something to do with Violet's death because hers Mm -hmm. was kind of brutal too. So that was just my thinking. And then I did think after everyone died that, Ark was dressing them up to go back to Mother Nature. Hmm. So that was my theory. Sam, what was your theory? Uh, you're still waiting to you're still waiting to find out who did it. I need to know who did it. Yes, exactly. I know. I my need theory. it. I need it. They're all guilty. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I was really bummed when I was like, shit, this is based on a true story and we still don't know the answer. Like, that sucks. Like, I, I really was caught off guard by that. Um, I, I honestly, I thought it was the the spider guy most of the time because he just seemed like the one who had the most like ability to get away with it because he was a cop. Like I just, I really pegged him most of the time. The highway man, I really didn't think it was him. I thought he was the one that got rid of Thursday because, you know, she said she went crazy and stole from him again and said he wasn't going to find out. And then she disappeared after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did think that she was the highway man. Um, but I, I really thought that the cop was the one who, who killed all the girls. Honestly, that was, that's what I kept going back to. I thought John was just a sad, like old Elvis impersonator. Like that's how I envisioned him. I didn't see him as a killer. <laughs> But Indigo did go to visit him before leaving town, yeah. and he was the last person. And he didn't have much to say, did he, about why she came? Because Ark asked him, and I, I don't remember what she what they talked about, but Ark went to visit to see what they talked about. So he, I don't know. That was never answered. Yeah, I think it was multiple, multiple killers for different reasons. Um, oh, wait, before we do our reviews, I have a shocking discovery real quick. Uh-oh. There was a part in there was a part in the book where they talked about the hummingbirds hitching a ride on the backs of ducks to fly south for the winter, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's a is that true?" It's fucking not. They do not hitch a ride on the backs of ducks and geese flying south for winter. In case for you saw end. that, and we're like, "Oh, that's a cute fun fact." It's not true, so don't bring it up at like a family gathering. It's like fun fact of the day because it's not true. Okay. I can tell every that single is, one of us. I can't even. The fact that you Googled it and believed it long enough to look it up. Because I was, I thought it was a really Jesus, cute little Roseanne. fun fact. Roseanne knows nothing about birds and it's never been more apparent than right now. Obviously. <laughs> she is not a bird watcher. So when you guys read that, did you think that? Oh, that's cute. Not even a little. Not even for a second did I believe hummingbirds ride on the back of ducks to fly south for the winter. Never once. I don't remember that part. (laughs) Fine. So. (laughs) All right. Who wants to start their reviews? Stephanie. Let's go in order. Let's go. Oh, okay. All right. Um. So I, I gave the book a 4.5 stars. And the only reason it didn't get five stars was because I needed an ending in this story. Um, but 4.5 stars for me, I thought the writing was wonderful. So what, what I was missing from our last episode, the last books we did was, um, and the reason I, I did lower stars was because I didn't, the writing wasn't inspiring. It wasn't, um, anyways, this writer, she's a poet and it shows, and obviously it shows throughout her work. She was a very good writer. So I gave it 4.5 stars. It would have been five stars if she had given me some, Something at the end, some kind of a um, a tied up closure. You think I would have appreciated that, um, and it would have been a solid five stars for me. But four point five. Sammy, Samantha, did you just spill your beer? I did. <laughs> I was gonna say it's it shock. shocker. That Samantha, Samantha spilled spill something. Drink. It's empty. It's empty. <laughs> real, but I did, quick, I did spill it. it. Growing up, and I hate to do this to you, Sammy, but growing up, Sam spilled a lot of drinks. I did. It was every, every dinner. dinner, every dinner, especially when we went, went out dinner. to eat. If we went out to eat, yeah. I was going to spill a drink. Like, yeah, it was absolutely. <laughs> it's true. So we hear it. We cup. didn't go out to eat often. Yeah. But when we went to Ryan's, the table was wet. <laughs> you can always count on me to spill a drink. Hey, I haven't done that in a while, guys. I've been, I'm learning. Um, all right, guys. So you're probably going to roast me for this one. But uh, but as you know, I wasn't a huge fan of this book. Um, I gave it a whopping 2.8. 
Um, I, uh, Jesus. Wow. I, uh, I really just, Jeez. I know, sorry. I, well, I didn't, two point well, I didn't want to give it a two. A two was too low and a three I felt was, was too good, honestly. So I was like, it's a good 2.8. The book, they did, they did wow. write the book very well, but it was honestly, this type of book is not one that I would pick up and read again. Um, I did not like the morbidness of it. I don't, uh, not that I don't, I, obviously you guys know we listen to some messed up books. Like, so it wasn't that part of it. I think it was too raw and real for me. And I know that sounds like so, mm. but it was, it was just really heavy. I was ready for the book to be over when it was over. I was like, thank God that's the end. Like it was still horrible and I don't know what happened, but, um, it just, I was, I was ready for it to be over. So it was a good book. You know, I know we, we did our podcast on it, but I, I will not read that book again. And I probably won't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> That means you have a kind heart, Sammy. I did. Like, I'm still. That means you have a kind little tender I'm, heart. Like, I feel like yeah. I almost need to have like a cry session after the, all this talking about it. Like, I just need to like boohoo mm-hmm. for all yeah. these horrible souls, and then like, let's read yeah. a book about you know murdering somebody with a, a knife in their vagina. Like, then we'll be good again. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I remember a cheating that husband or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nessie. So, okay, so um, I'm on the same lines as. Samantha. Um, so when I first started reading this book, I couldn't really get into it. You guys know I immediately was like, what the fuck are we reading? I don't know if I can keep going. I had to stop. I took a beat and I started back from the beginning. Um, I don't think I was ready for how intense and how deep and how real this story was. Um, I don't think I was like, I don't think my, my mind was in the right place to like actually let in some of the stuff that was happening. Plus, it's written a lot in a very poetic, lyrical way. So unless you're really being intentional about listening or Mm -hmm. reading the story, you're not going to take in all the content. So you do have to be very conscious about when you're reading the story. Um, I do think that she, she, she did a good job with how the writing was. I did find that that part of it was beautiful, like to turn some of the really disturbing stuff and still make it a beautiful writing in a way. I thought that was very um, unique about the way that she writes specifically. Um, I gave it a 3.4. I didn't give it a full 3.5. I gave it a 3.4. It was so fucking long. It does not need to be a million years long of that much horrific content all in one sitting. I just, that was hard to swallow. I understand the reason behind it. I understand you're trying to highlight the death of six women and the horrible story behind it and the town's bad history. Like I get all of that. This is not an easy read guys. It is not a recommended vacation book. This is an intentional story. You have to go out of your way to want to pick this one up. If you enjoy the lyrical writing, if you're interested in the story of the Chillicothe Six, if you're curious about the heroin epidemic happening in middle America, this is a book I would recommend that you read. Otherwise, steer clear. Okay. Um, I will finish it up. Um, You know, Simpleton Me, I gave it a five stars. Um, I did consider this book a must read. Um, I thought it was an absolutely tragic, but at the same time, like you said, Vanessa, just beautiful story that that shows all the sides of addiction and but also humanizes it very well. Um, and especially somebody like me, I'm like I said earlier, you know, I've I'm not really one to sympathize with homeless people and you know, I'm guilty of of brushing off an addict because they're an addict, but I felt like this this story just really humanized their lives and, you know, showed that, you know, they're really good friends. They're good people. They're smart. You know, they, they really long to be not an addict and have a normal life and have love in their life. And it was just really 
sad to me, but I thought she did a real good job of portraying that, you know, that they're not just addicts, they are people. And even someone with a cold black heart like me, you just really thought that was a nice story. Um, I did shed a tear at the end, Sammy. Mm -hmm. And with that, I'm going to leave you with a quote that says, an addict was a child once too with hopes and dreams. Mm-hmm. So that is my review. <laughs> Good job, Rosie. Yeah. We did say it was heavy, guys. Mm-hmm. We, we warned you. Yeah, it's a heavy book. But good. No, it was good. And honestly, you guys pulled out a lot of stuff that I didn't, again, because the way I, I, I listened to the book, mm. um, you guys pulled out a lot of stuff that I didn't that actually I, I missed along the way. So there was a lot more depth to the story than, than even I honestly took it as. So um, so you guys did a good job. There was a lot of depth as I, well, yeah, I mean, as I was trying to type up the outline, like um, the one on my desktop right now is nine pages long. Like that's insanity. <laughs> there was so, there was so much. In this book, it was very deep. There was a lot of layers. Um, so I, I hope that we did a good job unlayering them for people who didn't read the book. It, actually, I haven't listened to this back, but I bet we did a fucking phenomenal job at retelling the story for people. So enjoy. <laughs> you don't even have to read it. We got you covered. We did the, we did the dirty work for you. Okay, so my uh, one-off book recommendation this month is actually along the same lines of the story. It's why I specifically picked it. Um, it is Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. Um, it is based on the opioid epidemic, but it's actually comical, so it makes it easier to swallow, I think is probably the right term. Um, so the story is set in the Appalachian Mountains, and it shines a light on the broken child care system, the part that schools play in the lives of troubled youth, and the opioid epidemic um, throughout the Southeast region. Um, Demon Copperhead is a boy that's born to a teenage single mom who has absolutely nothing to their name. Uh, he ends up ultimately, um, ending up in foster care in grade school where he meets a lot of different characters. Oh, uh, something I found coincidental and funny is he's also a redhead, which is weird with, well, anyway, um, so he, in foster care, he experiences a lot of stuff very similar to this, but not as intense. Um, he goes through young love, forced child labor, is physically and sexually abused. Um, he does end up working his way throughout all of that and in high school becomes this really big football star, gets injured and falls prey to the opioids at that point. Um they liken this story a lot to the modern day version of Charles Dickens' David Copperfield. I don't know if you guys have ever read that. It's an older story. Um, I'll let you guys be the judge of whether or not you think it's a comparison. But um, this story is filled with a lot of comedic writing. I, in fact, I, I was laughing out loud throughout a lot of parts of the story and then also crying in moments throughout it. So I think the writing was phenomenal. I actually gave this one a solid 4.5 stars because it's that good with the fact that they make it funny while still having a lot of the intense moments. So highly recommend Demon Copperhead if you're interested at all in stories similar to this, but on a lighter note. Okay. Did anybody else read that book? Not yet, but I will. I plan to. No, if it's on my Audible for this. For the well, isn't it course. like like <laughs> like a long ass book though? Isn't it like a forty hour listen or something crazy? It's longer. Yeah. It's not that long. Forty but it's, hours. I mean, a you job? guys just plowed through this book, so I mean, you could do it. It's good. Hmm. 
uh, my oldie but goodie book selection um, along the same theme. I chose Where the Crawl Dags Sing by mm. Delia Owens from 2018. Um, actually, I probably should have done this segment because I did not read that book. What? Uh, I, I didn't either. Remember you guys roasted me? Remember you guys roasted me? You said <laughs> I, I was like, loved that book. That's a good book, Roseanne. You should have read that one. You guys told me I didn't like it because I wasn't country enough. Because I was like getting annoyed by the book. So I stopped reading it. And you guys oh. were like, well, you never hung out at the river. And I was like, no, I fucking didn't. You <laughs> You made a shitty finish. creek in the backyard. I didn't. No, you I obviously didn't. never went hunting for crawdads like the rest of us did. No, no. I didn't. But this book reminded me of... The Crawl Dead book, but without the heroin and stuff. So if you mm-hmm. liked this book, then you probably like the Crawl Dead book, just less horrific. Uh, also, it's on Netflix. Less horrific. <laughs> also, it's on Netflix, so you could also read it and watch it for anyone living, anyone living under a rock. The, the movie was the movie so no. awful, was it? Yeah, um, the movie yeah, was I don't awful. Watch the movie. And and no, it is not an uplifting, happy story either. It is sad. I didn't think it so. is not too. on this lines. It not on this lines, but there's yeah. there's parts of the book. I mean, there's moments where she's like, I wanted to pray, but I didn't know how to. I mean, like, that's sad oh, yeah. shit. That's true. Like, that's true. You know, where she's like, you know, abandoned child. No, it, it's sad. But where the card I'd sing, I was like in tears reading it. But it's definitely a good book. I highly recommend it's it. It's, it's one of one of my favorites. Not like my favorite, yeah. but like one I, I would recommend to somebody. Yeah, it's a good one. Okay. Only if you're country, though. Um, okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, are we ready for my sesh? Yes. Yes. All right, let me get my let me let me get my, my, my drink and settle get... in. Hang on, let me get my Google up. Hang on, guys. Those listening to the podcast, it's time to get your Google up. We're about to go into the character <laughs> section. Get your fingers ready. <laughs> We're ready. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start with Adeline. I chose Chloe Savigny. I'll spell the last name, S-E-V-I-G-N-Y, and anybody who watched Bloodline will get it. Oh, yeah. Okay, wait. Chloe, do it again for me. Chloe, C-H-L-O-E, Savigny, S-E-V-I-G-N-Y. Perfect. Yes. Very good. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Couldn't have picked something better. Did anybody watch Bloodline? Yes. I did. Everyone? Okay, yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Very good show. I was sad it only was four seasons. Well, and they got whack at the end, but whatever. It's another yeah. session. Okay. Um, and Clover, I chose Sandra Bernhardt. <laughs> Specifically for the reason when they described the gap in her tooth that she used to spit water out at them. I was like, Sandra Bernhardt, hands I down. like it. I could see her with the, <laughs> I could the see barbed it. wire. Uh, Crazy her. shit. Yes. In the yeah. belt. Yes. The Absolutely. bloody belt. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, if it was anyone older... I would have loved to see uh, Katie Seagal, <laughs> but she didn't really fit the the age description. No, she's, I mean, oh, okay, I, I no. would have liked to have her it's in older. this story, but yeah, no. I couldn't have found somewhere for her to fit. Trust me, mm-hmm. I tried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Mamaw Milkweed, I chose Andy McDowell. She was the mom in that movie, The Maid, the kind of hippie mom in that one. Oh. So she's not hefty. Right. But she can be a flaky mom. Mm. You know who I was thinking for Mama Milkweed? You're going to be like, what the hell? Uh, The the mom from, uh, what's that Adam Sandler movie where he's like, where he's like, he's dumb. Waterboy. I was thinking that mom. (laughs) Oh, okay. Who is that? Kathy, Kathy Bates. Did I make that up? Yeah. Did 
Did I just Kathy get that Bates? right? Yes, so. Kathy Bates. Oh, I can see Kathy Bates. That's a good Kathy one, Sammy. Well, actually, when I read somebody's description about her outfit, I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, that's who I was thinking was this lady. Oh, they described her, too, as having jowls. Jowls, you know, yeah. Jowls. And you know, her swimmies. Not that Kathy, right, not that Kathy has jowls, arms swimmies. but I could see Kathy Bates. That was a good, ooh, look at Sam. Uh-oh, Roseanne. <laughs> I know. Competition. <laughs> Samson. You're not funny or can, you can't pick the best characters, so. <laughs> Great. I'm dead weight. <laughs> um, for Arcade and Daffy, um, I have no idea who she is, but she's a pretty redhead. Uh, her name's Bella Thorne. And um, it seems she could use a nice breakout role, so <laughs> she could be this. Have you guys seen she's her been in anything? Something. Yeah, what yeah, has she been in? Thing. She's been in stuff, but I don't know her where. Her face looked familiar, but I can't place it either. Ooh, go to Google Images and that, that picture of her from IMDb. Look at her body. She's really hot. Good. I mean, yeah, because they were good looking and then they demised over time. Oh, she looks like she um like Roger right Rabbit moment. girl, Jessica from Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Can I mean, I, I honestly cannot picture them myself, so I really can't. I don't I could not put a face on them. On any of the girls? Not on Arcade and Daffy. I couldn't put a face on it. Oh. Oh. Gotcha. All okay. right, Daffy. Um, they were on twins. both of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, she played both <laughs> characters. Holy fuck. Duh. Okay. Um, I'll continue on with the dream team. Um, let's see. I got Arcade and Daffy. Um, so for Thursday, I chose Jenna Ortega. And you'll have to not think about her as Wednesday, but imagine her with the bitchy vibe. I can see it. I can see it. Um, but in a country Which way. Which one is she? Thursday. Thursday. Okay, yeah. No, I the can see that. Rowdy one. She's so yep, tiny. Yeah. I could see it. It's just ironic. They described her as Wednesday. tiny. Yeah. yeah. They okay. described her as tiny, Nessie. Okay. Good pick. Um, Sage Nell. I chose Julia Garner. And if I could just have her playing literally every version of all the Dream Team, oh, I would love yes. that, actually. Yeah. She's <laughs> as just Sage fantastic. Nell? Yeah. Why not? She was blonde, curly hair. Um, oh, I thought Sage had. Um, I thought Sage and all had dark hair. Dark Thursday did curls. Thursday did. Who did? Who Thursday did? did. Thursday. Thursday. Oh, I'm getting confused. Oh, bummer. See, Sage Nell has really dark, thick, voluminous, like bouncy, curly hair in my head. Oh no. Okay. All right. Well then. Yeah. Fuck me, right? Yeah, you're wrong. Um. So Violet. I know this sounds dumb, but no one came to mind but Katy Perry. So you're going to have to deal with that. <laughs> All right. Because <laughs> she was bubbly yeah. and colorful hair. Like, you know, she had the butterfly. Um, was she an actress? Eyeliner. Uh, I feel like. Uh, she could be. If you are any. Yeah. If you're in any kind of show business, you can be an actress. And along those That's lines. Beautiful. For Indigo, I chose Lainey Wilson. <laughs> oh, nice. Nobody came to my mind. Besides her, when I thought of Indigo with the hats and the okay. the whole like vibe yeah. she gave, and Lainey Wilson was in Yellowstone, so she's technically an actress. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, I can see it. All right, you ready for the creepies? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So for Spider, um, I apologize in advance to all my Back to the Future fans, um, but I chose Crispin Glover. <laughs> Really? I thought nobody knows anybody. 
Look at him. Oh, McFly. Creepy. Yes, yeah, McFly. McFly. <laughs> but old McFly, not young. Yeah, McFly. no, I could tell you. No, good, good job on that. Yes, I could totally see it's alcoholic creepy. creepy. As the cop. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you know what? Yeah. And I was actually, what I was envisioning was uh, Byland Man, actually. Sorry. <laughs> oh. I'm not digging it. Creepy for- really? I'm not digging I it. S- who do you have a violin man? Because I think I envision no, no, no. violin man. Too. Hang on, hold on. Before we get to violin man, I thought for um, the spider. You know who I pictured was the guy from uh, Punisher. I don't know who that is. Um, hang the on, let me, let me get his name. Hang on, let me get his name. Oh, oh, I know who you're myself. talking about. Ugh. What's his name? John Bernthal. The original Punisher, the, the one with the blonde hair. I think he had blonde, maybe. No, he has dark hair. Who plays Punisher? John Bernthal. John Bernthal. That's who I pictured for Spider. Am I on mute? <laughs> <laughs> sure I could fuck. see him playing it. Yeah, I could see that, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. He has he, weird ears. He has weird ears, for I think sure. he was yeah, a fighter or something, wasn't he? No, I don't know, but I could. Yeah, I, yeah. That's who that he was in my head as the spider the whole time. He looks creepy, yeah, and weird. which is perfect because yeah. honestly, yeah. all these guys yeah. are creeps. No, <laughs> these are probably all these guys yeah. could be interchangeable, probably. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, so for violin man, I chose Bill Skarsgård. The typing. The typing. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, um, perfect. The demonic smile picture. That one has me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's oh, the smile. Creepy. Yeah. Vanessa has something to say. I don't. I don't. You, you yeah. know if I was going to pick Save Me, then I thought you would crucify me. Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> Come on. Leave old Daniel Radcliffe's delicious asshole alone. <laughs> Wait, let me. Why is it let me, delicious? Let me, let me add some notes. Cards, cards, cards Against Humanity. You leave it. Cards Against Humanity. I'm sure everyone's probably like, everyone at some point has heard that phrase. Yes. They, they, it registered somewhere in their heads. I actually could see Dana Radcliffe with a violin. I can I too. I see him yeah. as Welty. Uh, okay, well, for Welt, um, I chose Tom Felton. Because um, they described him as kind of like a. Dishwater oh blonde, with, like his hair and his eyes. Hey, he was also in Harry I'm Potter. An idiot. He was Shocking. also in um, Game of Thrones. Oh. Guys, I thought Welt was black this whole time. What? And now, now oh. I'm hearing you say dirty, mo- dirty blonde hair. I'm hearing you, and I reckon. But this whole time in my head, he was um, a black man, and he was closer. He was like the guy from Sandlot, the the, the blind man. <laughs> Earl, <laughs> Earl what? Same Earl Jones. <laughs> not have been more wrong <laughs> at oh no point God. in time was that ever a statement did i read this book or they wow. said he had he had dishwater moppy hair that was like always hanging his eyes and his like beady eyes were darting around all the time we talked about their descriptions i could see it actually he went past that one but fine we um did. okay Okay, and then also, okay, so the last one I have is for Highwayman. Um, well, I chose Tommy Flanagan, and all my Sons of Anarchy fans will see me on that one. Okay. And you're probably not going to like him. But I chose him because when they said pockmark face, I was like, 
this guy's badass with a pockmarked face. He can fuck some shit yeah, up. I can see he it. He can be crazy. Mm-hmm. Does he have pockmarked face or does he have scars from a horrible accident? He has all of, all yeah. of it. Um, no, I like him for it. That's a good one, Rosie. I like that too. I didn't really picture I like of. a Nazi too much. No, that's a, that's a good pick. I can see him with the camo and the. They yeah, talked about him having boots. gray the temples and stuff too. So yeah, he's a good he's a good pick, Rose. Yeah. Um, you know who I was thinking of? Uh, God, I'm going to describe this in the dumbest way. There's some Great. kind of a zombie movie. It's already and... off to a bad start. <laughs> the Last of Us. No, it's old. It's old. It's a funny zombie movie. Funny, 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 funny movie with um, you know, survival apocalypse, and he's a main character in it. Ooh, ooh, come on, Sam. Yeah, come Woody, on, come Woody on, Harrelson. Sam. Yes, that's who I pictured for Highway. I knew it. Woody Harrelson. Let me what look at him. Hang on, let me look at him. He's got a. Why do you Would you think Woody Harrelson would ever be Highwayman? He's too little. Look at him. Did you Google him? I know what Woody Did Harrelson you? looks like. Google he's him. Like, he's like five seven. Okay, Google. He's not intimidating him. anybody. All right. Well, well, fuck me. I'm gonna do an Instagram poll, <laughs> see who they like better, and I'll be sad. <laughs> I'll, I'll add the note here because I'm gonna add one for Kathy Bates for um, Sammy's suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your dumbass suggestion? I already forgot it. Mine was the Punisher. Woody Harrelson. Guy. Oh, oh, Woody Harrelson. Oh, oh, oh. John Benthal. Woody Harrelson. But I would like you for you to note John Benthal as well, please. For who? For the spider. For spider. Fine. That's what I'm I didn't watch Punisher, so I have no idea who that guy is. Okay. All right. I'm going to go through some... Was there any other characters y'all had in mind before I move on? Okay. Mm-hmm. That was all I had. Um, I'm going to go through some TV shows that have been... Uh, sorry. That have been released based on a book. Um, we've got The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave that came out on Apple TV. It's got Jennifer Garner in it. Uh, it's just a story about a woman who has to uh, forge a relationship with her 16-year-old stepdaughter in order to find the truth about her mysteriously disappeared husband. Uh, who read that book? In this it, group? it sounds familiar. I just can't remember if I actually read it. It's on my list, but I have not read it yet. Okay. Uh, I read it. I didn't love it. I didn't think it was all that great. So just FYI. I think that's why I didn't read it. <laughs> yeah. Probably. yeah. Although I, I'm I noticing our reviews are very different, so maybe I should give it a whirl. Hmm. I mean, it was okay. It just wasn't that great. Um, we've got a true crime one out. It's actually been out for a hot minute. I'm just late to the game on it. It's called Evidence of Love, A True Story of Passion and Death in the Suburbs by John Bloom and Jim Atkinson. It's called, it's been adapted to Hulu and it's called Candy. It's got Jennifer Beale in it. Uh, Jessica Beale. Sorry. She's married to Justin Timberlake for anybody who's again under a rock. <laughs> um, and it's about the fascinating and air quotes, true story about Texas housewife, Candy Montgomery and the bizarre murder that shocked a community. Has anybody read that? Watched it? I no? have. It's really good. You watched it or read you it? You watched the yeah, show? Both. You should do yeah. both. Yeah. It's good. Okay. The show's yeah, she does a good. great job. Jessica Bill is she's a great actress. I love she her. She did a very good job. Yeah, it's good. Okay, that's good to know. Binge worthy. Um, we've got okay, we've got Saint X by Alexis Shaitkin. It's a Hulu series, and it's uh, 
it's not based on Natalie Holloway, but it's definitely giving Natalie Holloway vibes. Uh, it looks pretty good, honestly. And this book, I feel like, wasn't even on my radar. Um, I think it came out in 2020, so it's not super old. Um, so I'm definitely going to check that one out. Um, a real quick what the fuck moment. Will Trent has been renewed for a second season. Why God? We will I'm never know. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not shocked. I just, I just wanted to be like, why? Um, Sammy, and you got to show you one? I do. Shout um, out. Roseanne tried to tell me I wasn't allowed to talk about this one because it's not a book. But guess what I found? <clears throat> Echoes by Robert Hickey. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I totally made that shit up. <laughs> It is definitely not based on a book. I did try and Google like to my fingers were numb, like trying to find it. But the reason why I wanted to bring it up is because it's it's very similar. It's it's about identical sisters. And I'll just kind of tell you the, the plot. Um, it's about two identical twin sisters that live on a farm at an early age. They lost their mother to cancer. Um, they deal um, dealing with that traumatic loss. Um, they become inseparable and they begin to switch places, which we know is very similar to, well, not really switch places, but one becomes the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's at one point in the book before I even knew, or not book, what point in the show before I knew that was happening, I was totally like, what the fuck is going on? Um, so it definitely has those vibes of, why are things so weird? And then you realize later, oh, it's two different people playing the same person. Um, it does, it gets really juicy. It's got all kinds of twists and turns. Um, it's got romance. It's got love story mingled in there. Um, it's got this attractive therapist husband guy who's, who's um, husband to one of the twin sisters. Um, it has this really bad, like, graphic waterfall scene that just really just sets off the movie at the end. Um, and then it leaves you with a cliffhanger where you're like, wait, what did just happen in the movie? So anyways, I enjoyed it. Um, it's a limited series, so it's only like, what, like six episodes or something, um, but I enjoyed it. So give it a whirl if uh, if you like kind of the whole twin sister vibe thing. Thank you. Thank you for letting me have that moment, Roseanne. I, I shall investigate it. <laughs> I had your back, Sam. Thank I was you. like, but it's twin sisters. I appreciate you. <laughs> Well, y'all, we hope that you were as equally entertained with this podcast as you were the first. Um, If you guys are interested in any further information on the Chillicothe Six, um, I've got some articles, some links to another podcast I'll throw up in the stories. If you guys want to check out and do your own little deep dive into the, the case and see if you have any theories you want to share with us. Sammy? Uh, We're excited to announce to you guys that we have picked our next book club pick. It is What Lies Between Us by John Mars. So please head over to our Instagram for release dates and further details about the book. And while you guys are over there, please do let us know how we've done. If you guys have listened to us for the last two episodes or even just this one, please let us know how we did. We love to hear from you. Definitely send us your feedback. If you haven't noticed, we like to share that too. So let us know if that's all right as well. And don't forget, please tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. All right, that's it, guys. We are out of here. Thank you again for listening to us here on the Literarily Trashed podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you. Cheers, my friends, and happy reading.